So 15 seconds. Yo, what's going on, everybody? You're checking it out. It's Spence from the Highly Advised Podcast. I'm here with three of my, well, two of my friends. I'm the third person. Lyle Nigel, otherwise known as Relaxing Jackson, Big Cozy, Too Cozy, St. Kitch. This is episode 64 or 65, guys. 64. Four. Is it four? four. Look at the, look at the, uh, at <laughs> everything that we do. 64. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it. <laughs> Last week was episode sixty-three. Look at the covers, the podcast covers. Now that's how you could keep track. Hey man, look, I sometimes I'll lose track of the numbers. So yeah, yeah I mean we've been doing this for so long. It, sometimes it's easy to kind of get. After a while, it's like okay, we're we're here next. It's it's a new week. We're here. We're ready to go. So oh, man. the listeners already know that, man. You don't got to tell them that. They it, know. I mean, of course, but in case for the new listeners, we got to remind them because I'm quite sure there's someone new listening this week. Okay. As always, every week based off what we see in our analytics, right? Okay. So I, that's all I can say. Like, I, we got to welcome new listeners. Welcome, old listeners, people that have been with the podcast. Thank you for being here. How's everything been since the last time we talked for our listeners? Well, before we get into that, I want to say, hey, you should follow us at Highly Advised Podcast on Instagram. Highly Advised Podcast here. Uh, Advised Highly on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And they can follow us individually or follow us all in those spots. But I'll let Lyle get to how his week was. Yeah, well, if you're going to say individually, tell them what your social is real quick. Relaxing, no G underscore Jackson. Loud, go ahead and speak your piece and then, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) What's what's up, listeners? How you doing? It's your boy, Big Cozy, Too Cozy. I'm here for another good episode, a great episode of the Holly Vice Podcast. Let's go. Me, Spence, otherwise known as St. Kitch. You can follow me on st.kitch on Instagram, like my my friend Nigel said. Uh, you can always check us out on YouTube, Instagram, or Twitter, any of our socials like he gave y'all. But I can say this, I'm doing pretty good. I can't complain. It's, it was a very crazy week, definitely with the UFC 64 that just uh, capped off with Conor McGregor. So, yeah, how'd you guys feel about UFC 64? 264. 264. 264. UFC 264 was crazy, man. But I mean, like, it, it was an interesting card. I think uh, for the most part, you know, if we just get into the main event, you know, first and foremost, like, that was crazy. Um, when I was watching that, Conor McGregor seemed to be looking good for a decent bit of the round until he got, you know, pieced up by Dustin and taken down and worked for a little bit. It looked like something happened during the match to make his leg a little bit more weak and then suddenly snap and break. So, you know, I think it's kind of crazy, but I mean, it was an interesting main event for sure. It was an interesting night, crazy night, and you always get crazy nights when Connor is the headliner. Let's start off with the actual fight itself. As we predicted, Dustin was going to win by finish, even though it wasn't the finish that we thought was going to happen. But he did win by finish. No, you won by stoppage. Right, doctor stoppage, but they still awarded him the TKO. Right. Yeah. It it wasn't like a no contest. So what I'll say is this. The first minute, maybe you could say 45 seconds if you want to be really anal about the times. But within that first minute, 
Connor was looking good. He was mixing up the leg kicks with body kicks. He was starting off with spinning back kicks. And he was confusing Dustin with the kicks. You could tell Dustin kind of wasn't expecting the leg kicks. And it, when Dustin went to go counter the, the a leg kick, Connor would throw a teeth kick in there. He would throw a body kick in there. So that was a good way to kind of confuse Dustin. And so this way, Donner, I mean, not Donner, Connor could go ahead and, and throw that one-two cross as what he's really good at because he actually cracked Dustin with it with a few times. Hmm. Now, after that first minute kind of passed, Dustin, he ended up throwing himself a kick. Now, he didn't do many leg kicks, but he started walking forward. And then right there, I've seen something that I probably should have seen in their last fight that I didn't really pay attention to. But Connor is not good when it comes to firefights in the pocket. When it comes to exchanging in a pocket, like actually like going toe-to-toe with somebody without moving back forward or back, he's not that great. And and I realized that because Dustin, Dustin, he probably hit him with like a hook and an uppercut and then like a straight within that small exchange. And Connor kind of stumbled backwards. And then when he came forward, he was the first one to initiate the clinch. Now, I don't know if he was initiating a clinch for a takedown or kind of like to stop Dustin from throwing strikes. But when they were toe-to-toe in that pocket, Connor was not looking that good. And right there, it looked like I was like, oh, well, you know what? He's really good when somebody is not pressing him and charging forward towards him. He's only good off of the countering, or he's good when he could go in and out, in and out. And Dustin kind of showed me that, and I was like, okay, that's how you're going to beat Connor. But you have to have the skills Dustin has. Dustin has really good boxing for mm-hmm. MMA. But Connor's clinching. Now, Connor made a mistake because he could have stayed. I don't know. Of course, we could say shoulda, woulda, coulda. But he, here's where he made the mistake, and he could have stayed on the feet for the rest of the round. Maybe have some more success, or maybe Dustin going to have more more success. We don't know. But when Connor jumped guard for the guillotine, I thought that was a big mistake. If Connor was like a black belt in jiu-jitsu and he's known for pulling off crazy submissions because he knows what he's doing when it comes to grappling in the clinch, I would have been like, that's not a bad move because he got Dustin in the guillotine. But here's the problem. Dustin knows what to do. Well, so as you see, as you see, Dustin was kind of cage walking a little bit. Some people were saying that Dustin was, um, he was grabbing his, he was grabbing the fence with his toes or whatever. And, and to me, I was kind of like, it is what it is. It's a fight. Not everybody's going to be clean about it. Dustin got out of the guillotine as expected. And from there, Connor was getting teed off with elbows, punches, and all that stuff. I actually thought there was a point where, it looked like, oh, it's like, oh, Herb is going to step in and finish it to prevent, to prevent damage. But he was letting it go. And Connor, he was still fighting from the bottom. Elbows, yeah. elbows, elbows. Now, he definitely was getting whooped on, but he was still fighting. So, like, it, that showed me, like, okay, he's not finished yet. He's still, he's still trying to compete. Now, here's the crazy part that everybody's going to be talking about, at least for the next couple of weeks. Connor, Dustin kind of let Connor get back up. Connor got up. They both threw crosses and they both barely missed. And then Connor takes a step back, rolls his ankle, boom, he fails, collapsed. Dustin, he's coming in to, to rush, but by then Herb realized, like, hey, something is wrong. And then that was that. Now, what I would say is Dustin won that fight fair square because of the domination he did when he was on the ground, landing the elbows and the punches. 
I think that if that freak accident didn't happen, that fight was going to go into the second round. Now, would have Connor turned it around and all that? No, we don't know. But as since we only could go off of what we saw, it looks like Dustin was probably going to do more of the same. I don't think Dustin was going to go in there and try his luck standing up. I think he was going to go like, hey, I'm just going to close the distance again and take you down and get the job done in the second round. Um, shouts out to Dustin. I think he did a, uh, I think he did a good job. He, he definitely utilizes his tools. He didn't try to sit there and, Hey, I, I was able to hit Connor. I'm not going to try to box him. I'm going to, I'm going to take advantage and, you know, drag his ass down or clinch up with him and wear him out. Far as Connor goes, man, my criticism of him is like, he was looking good, but he made some mistakes and, I don't know if he needs to switch camps or or not switch camps, but really game plan for opponents. But he's making too many mistakes in these past few fights now, outside of Donald Cerrone, of course. And I feel like that Brett Akimoto, I got to give him a nod with this, but he said Connor really has to sit down now and really think like, hey, do I want to do this at the most elite level? Because if he wants to do it at the most elite level, he's going to have to dedicate it like like he doesn't have anything again. And he has to work his way back up to the top. Because if you keep, if Connor keeps jumping ahead first, fighting Dustin again, fighting your Charles Oliveras, just fighting even Justin Gaethje, I think Justin Gaethje can beat Connor now. He's going to keep getting beat. Connor needs, he needs to build himself back up. He might, he might have to fight some lower-ranked opponents, but he needs to win, and he needs to get in there. T- doing these one fight one fight a year, two fights a year, it's not helping him no more because time is only passing him by. So as we know, he's going to fight Oliveira for the belt now, as he should, and Connor, he's going to be on the shelf healing up. I know Dana said that he's going to get the rematch later down the line. That's a lot to say about that, but that's just far as the fight goes. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think you said a lot of, like, uh, kind of capped over everything, mo- pretty much almost everything that really could be said. Uh, I do agree that the biggest mistake Connor did make in the fight was actually trying to go for the guillotine. Like, when it started off, of course, he was doing, he did look good in the first minute. Then, that ex- when it became more of an exchange with him, between him and Dustin, it did start to look a little shaky for Connor. It really wasn't until he got his back against the cage with the guillotine is where he made his ultimate mistake, trying to take Dustin down. At first, it did. At first, it was like, okay, maybe this might be something a new thing in his arsenal, right? But then, as soon as you saw where Dustin had walked the cage to get up out of it, it wasn't the space where he's the most comfortable at, right? Complete opposite of what we saw with Ryan Hall, in so many words, right? Similar to what you said, I did think Herb Dean would stop the fight, but my reasoning for that was because I I felt like Herb Dean made a bad call earlier in the in UFC 264 in the card yeah, yeah. with an early stoppage, so I that was the main reason why I thought he would have stopped the fight. Um, but he allowed it to keep going. And then of course the thing that made me realize Connor, Connor was going to have a long night if he stayed on his back for the rest of that round was when you kept seeing the only thing he kept going for was the guillotine. He kept going. He probably went for the guillotine several times when he, when he, his back was on the mat as well as like next to the cage. At that point, you kind of realize like, okay, Connor doesn't really have his, his set, his skill set is only so big. 
And at this point, it's like, yo, he's just trying to defend himself or finding a way of trying to end this match as soon as he could. And I do believe, despite Connor ha- denying everything and saying like, oh, this is actually, um, the it wasn't because of a check or anything like that. I do think it has a lot to do with the kick. I, unfortunately, I think this is, he just goes into the Hall of Fame of the leg break, leg broken legends, similar to yeah. like Anderson Silva. Chris Wyman, I mean, like all, all he's not Corey a legend, Hill. But, yeah, exactly. Like some of these people aren't legends necessarily. Um, they'll, but they'll definitely be remembered for breaking their leg at some point. What's crazy about it is that Herb Dean has been in the ring to see at the least three broken bones at this point in time because he, he had, might be the f- factor. Well, Herb Dean, he's been in there for some crazy, <laughs> some crazy stuff, man. He saw Tim Sylvia get his arm broken, Anderson Silva get his leg broken. Chris Weidman get his leg broken. This situation with the broken leg, it's just like, he just, it's crazy, man. Like, like Herb Dean's seen a lot, man. You know, like, I'll give him one or two mistakes for the shit that he's actually done right, which he's done a lot of the stuff right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think for the most part, <clears throat> I think Herb Dean has always handled himself perfectly. For the, Or for the most part, he's always looked pretty 9 out of 10 for the most part with all, all the fights he's done, right? In terms of like mistakes he's made where he's for the most part maybe one out of ten times he may make a mistake here and there allowed the fight to go on he made sure to stop the fight when it had to be stopped uh you did see where after the fight was over connor was big on saying like oh no make sure that they call that a stoppage and not like he was like knocked out or anything because as we saw like it it is it is technically it is a tko but it was just one of those freak accidents that like we all know the MMA gods, they don't they they pick when it's your time at the end of the day. So and it's unfortunate, but that's the that was a scenario when it came to Connor in this situation where there's a lot more to, in terms of reshaping and getting himself back together to 100 percent because it's a freak accident for one Two, it's going to be a lot of training and three. I, to be honest with you, I don't think I, personally, I think Connor should be. I think from this injury, I think it's best that Conor Khan's of like f- fall back for the most part. And I say that because like, I mean, we all know like why he has a bad cardio. He, he has bad cardio for the most part in those later rounds, primarily because he had that knee injury before the UFC where pretty much which pushes him to never do road work. So it, it messes with his conditioning. So like another injury such as this it's probably going to stop him from probably going about his same routine or maybe it, it may make him more nervous about actually having that re-injuring that leg. So, I, I mean, but that's more to be found out as like the as we progress through everything. I want to hear your guys thought about the post-fight antics that happened that went down. But far as like Connor goes, it's hard to see him have any success at lightweight. I think if he wants to continue his career, Sure, have the Nate Diaz rematch, whatever. Really, you could do that at welterweight because the first two fights were at welterweight. But uh, I know, I know that more than anything, he's going to want that Dustin Poirier fight back, just because even though Dustin was winning the fight, the way it played out, you know, it wasn't Dustin that caused the finish; it was Connor himself and Dana. And Dustin, surprisingly to some people, both want the fourth fight. So it's going to happen down the line. I just don't think that it should happen right away. I think Dustin should get the fight with Charles Oliveira. When Connor comes back, he needs to have a, a tune-up fight or two because he, 
just feeding him right back to Dustin, it's not going to be good for him, man. It's not. He, Connor needs to take some serious time to get, well, obviously to heal, but to really train and game plan for the Dustin fight. I Blitzing Dustin is not the answer. It, it's already, blitzing him is not the answer. You're going to have to game plan to beat Dustin because if you don't game plan to beat him, skill for skill, Dustin has showed he's, he's overall the better mixed martial artist. Yeah, Connor could be the best boxer between the two. Hell, you could even say he might be the better striker between the two. But at the same time, it's not it's not kickboxing or boxing. It's fucking mixed martial arts. Dustin knows how to wrestle. He knows how to grapple. He, his his jujitsu is obviously much better. He knows how to utilize the clinch a lot better. He knows how to condition and pace himself better. He obviously knows how to use a game plan better than Connor too. So I feel like. If that fourth fight happens, like both Dana and Dustin wants it to happen, obviously Connor wants it to happen. Connor needs to take this and be like, hey, my career is it's on the line. If I don't win this fight, I have to quit. Like he has to do like a loser's leave town type of deal because he's not right now, this Connor will will never ever beat Dustin. He never will. And before we even think about Connor fighting other fights, he needs to come back and show, hey, I can do this. Obviously, he doesn't need to do it because he's the richest fucking fighter besides Floyd in combat sports. But outside of that, as far as like fighting and competing at a high level, he's showing that he can't be at the high level no more. So what do you guys think about the post-fight antics, him mentioning his wife and all that shit? Yeah, I mean... I, to me, I put it like this: like I, just to retort on what you were saying, um, I, I agree to some extent where I think, at this point for Connor, it's it's best that he he sits down with himself to make a decision on what the best option is moving forward. And I do think there will be a rematch between him and Dustin Poirier, as all parties want this to happen. Um, I think the antics after the fight between him and Poirier, from still talking trash to each other to Poirier's wife flicking off uh Connor. Um I I think it's I think it just kind of shows that this trilo- that this saga hasn't ended and there's real this bad blood between the two. Um it's it's kind of pushing for it's going to keep pushing itself forward. Unfortunately, I th- I think it won't help Connor because I do think that Dustin has Connor's number at this point. But I do think that what the antics they're those antics at this point will probably fuel Poirier just to say like, Hey, I'm going to put a punishing on you whenever we get into the cage again. And it's, I mean, let's, I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. Dustin Poirier is number one. He's the number one guy in the division. He's looking to go into actually getting a shot for the title. So he's not like, it's not like he's someone that's climbing up the ranks. He is the next guy in line and he chose to fight Connor instead of going for a title fight. I think it's safe to say, Everybody knows Connor. When it comes in in terms of getting the championship, he can't beat the number one guy. Yeah. Let alone beat the champion. So it's it's one of those weird situations where I I think those post fight antics are going to push for them to fight again. But I think the reality is it's I don't think the result is going to change any because unless like we said unless Connor goes to the drawing board and figures something out, it's we're just going to keep getting the same thing. And we know Connor is not, um, Connor, he accepts a loss 
for a loss. But at the same time, Connor also knows, hey, I'm going to talk trash. And if definitely if there's bad blood like this, this looks like this may actually be his genuine feud between out of all his fights. All the other fights, it seemed like it was mind games for him to even come out into the fight angry. We've never even seen Connor get to that point. So I think it kind of shows that Dustin Poirier has even tapped into his hit a little bit, which I, which is I mean, as we all know, that's Connor's game plan for every fight. So. I think is I think the antics are just going to be even more, and I think it's I don't think it's going to be as crazy as the antics between him and Khabib, and Habib, but I think it's going to be something along those lines because this is like a personal grudge match between these two now. Yeah, here's my thing, right? I feel like for this, it seems like it's gotten more personal for Connor as it went through, but I feel like through fight week, I didn't believe him when he was actually like saying some of the stuff he was saying it was like almost like he was trying to say it to make us believe him or make himself believe it like when i saw him like doing some of the stuff at the press conferences and whatnot i was just like i don't believe what he's saying i was like does he really believe he's going to go in there and knock him out and make it the best performance ever like a part of me believes he does he did like he really did and another part of it is like okay he's doing some of this for show which I think, you know, for Connor, it's always going to be a mix. So, you know, who knows as to how much is how much, right? What I see going on for Connor in the future is I think if he fights Dustin Poirier a fourth time and that's like the next fight for Connor, because it won't be for Dustin, he'll probably move on and fights Charles Oliveira, which he should. He's going to lose that fight. I think that he, it'll look the same, if not worse. I think Dustin Poirier is just finding better ways to fight Connor. Next time, he's not going to try to exert himself so much to be um, exhausted going into the second round because that's something that happened in this first fight that's the only reason why this round would have been interesting because i saw it going more dustin's way in the second round because of the way it went in the first me personally i think what connor should do actually is heal up rest up he's still young so he can fight again but dustin's gonna do his thing let him you know defend his belt at 155 or whatever the case is and meet dustin at 170 and then he can meet Nate at 170. Nah. No, reason- I, I hear what Nigel's saying. Um, well, I, hear what he's, I hear what he's saying. Go ahead, finish, Nigel. Yeah, I hear what he's saying about that. The reason I say it is because, like, Connor's not going to do much at 155. Like, if we're being real and looking at the competition, like, these people are more active, and Dustin's number one. He's already pushed back, and more than likely he's not going to work his way up the ladder. Instead, he comes back off of this injury, which is serious, he fights Dustin at 170 because Dustin probably dropped the belt to fight Connor for real, for real, if he has it by that time. And then he can fight Nate at 170. Let's say he wins both those fights, right? Then, hey, Connor, you get the, you might be in the picture to fight such and such, whoever has the belt at the time. Maybe tomorrow, maybe not. Connor might set himself up to do it. Not only that, I see him not wanting to drop the weight as well when he comes back. I mean, I, I can understand the not dropping the weight part. I think, to me, I think. Him and Dustin, especially if Dustin has the belt on the the next fight, trust me, if Dustin has the belt when it's time for the rematch, he's fighting him at 155. Because, I mean, let, I mean, let's be honest, right? When it's all said and done, Conor McGregor is the cash cow for the UFC still. At the end of the day, he feels, he'll fill the arena, especially the way this last fight ended, he'll fill the arena with no problem. Just himself, Dustin doesn't even have to say a word. To me, I personally, especially if he ha- if Dustin has the belt, I think 155 
it would be 155 for Dustin then bump up to 170. I do agree that he probably won't want to cut the weight, especially with having a new lower body injury, but I trust me, it, for him to get for him to be able to fight for the belt again in a rematch to a guy he's technically speaking he's lost to twice. Mm-hmm. Those eyes don't come around for many fighters. Go ahead, Lyle. Uh, I want to. I just want to say this before we we go to the co-main event because we still have to speak on that a bit. Um, I agree with Spence. If Dustin has the championship, where which he, it could very well, he could very well be the champion by the time Connor's able to fight again. Spence is right. That fight is going to be at 155 because it's, it's going to angle Connor. He's going to be two-time lightweight champion, blah, 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 blah. Right. Now, if Dustin, for whatever reason, doesn't have the championship by the time Connor comes back, I this is where I agree with Nigel. They're going to do a 170 thing. 170 is a bigger weight class to promote. Plus, they have that thing. Connor is the only man to have finishes at 170, 155, and one, blah, blah, blah. He's much as he's he's a bigger force at 170 than he is. You know, there's a big narrative to sell at Connor Dustin at 170 versus doing it at 155 again if if no belt is involved. So I, I see where Nigel's coming from with that. Plus, you know, the Nate trilogy. And if Connor does happen to win both of those fights, listeners, I'm not saying he will. I'm just saying if he happens to win both of those fights, then you could angle Connor Usman, big, huge money fight. And then Usman will put him down for good. So I, that's that's just, I mean, he will. You, if, if that fight I ever am. were to happen, Usman would kill Connor. It's like, I, I don't even think it's a contest. It's just, at this point, Usman's just, it's like what Floyd's been saying. It's it's legal bank robbery at that point. But how did you guys feel about the co-main event? I know some some fans were excited about the performance of the fight. I didn't think it was that bad of a fight. But what is what are your guys' thoughts? I mean, to me, uh, with the Burns-Thompson fight, I was actually a fan of it. Um I think it was interesting the way the way they were fighting initially, but of course Burns being Burns, he was able to put the pressure on and actually kind of finish the fight. Um, I think there was I think at some point he was having some some problems I think with uh with Burns a little bit. Well, Thompson was, well Tom, Burns was having a little bit of issues with uh Thompson just because of the stance and the style of the of his fighting, but of course with every great problem comes a greater solution. And of course, Gilbert Burns does what he's what he's done and shows why, hey, the last person I've lost to is the champion and considered the pound for pound best fighter in the sport possibly right now. So he he showed his dominant. He was able to show that he deserved the win. He did have a couple. He There were some mistakes he made, I think. But overall, I think Gilbert Burns just came through and showed out for the most part. Um, he did challenge anybody that is within his division which I think was a smart move because he knows he can't go for the belt right away. Uh, I think it, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately. Well, unfortunately for Wonderboy Thompson, I think this is close to chapter on his his run in terms of, like, his career. I think I think at this point he has to accept that there won't be a, a, a run for the belt ever again, especially at this age because he's 38. Yeah. So, like, it's, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's possible, but... At this point, it's like you have 
there's there's two there's so much that has to be done between now and then so i mean but that for just in a summary of my thoughts on the fight i think wonder boy is going to be a tough out for a few people but like you said like he's definitely gonna have to go back to the drawing board and really consider a few things i personally like the fight you know what i mean i thought that um gilbert burns didn't really look like super impressive and i can say that wonder boy looked like you know he was losing you know majority of the fight i think that gilbert burns has some interesting matchups that can be made for him and i think that you know he's definitely not next in line for the belt after last night he can put himself in a position by fighting maybe one or two more contenders and i think like you know, actually see if he can show and prove or something. Because, I mean, he's a clearly a talented guy, and Stephen Wonderboy isn't a slouch, you know what I mean? So he went in there, he beat him. You know, good for him, you know? Wasn't anything super impressive, but it was a good fight. Any other thoughts of the rest of the card, if anything else stuck out to you? Like O'Malley, maybe? Oh, well, yeah, let's let's talk about the... Uh, well, first and foremost, um, Gilbert Burns. I think that he should fight... Jorge Masvidal or Jorge Masvidal should fight Colby Covington and they should do it like that. I think that um, Jorge Masvidal is definitely in a position to actually fight some uh, some of the top contenders and not fall so back so far down in the pack. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Jorge Masvidal would be a good a good matchup between the two. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I personally, I don't think Jorge Masvidal is going to beat Burns just because I mean, based on what we've seen from Masvidal in the past few fights compared to what we've seen from Gilbert Burns in the past few fights. I don't really see... I think it would be an entertaining fight just because of matchups, but I don't... I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a, if Jorge Masvidal gets Sprite Can again. So, <laughs> yeah, he has potential to in that fight. It can happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you're, it's not like you're going... In this case, you're fighting someone that's definitely willing to strike with you, and you might get Sprite Can similar to what you did against Usman, so... Um, I mean, I think it's a good fight, but other than that, like, I know he did call out Nate, um, he called out Nate, uh, or Nick, and then he called out Masvidal and somebody else, I believe as well, but. You know, the thing that kills me about Nate Diaz being called out, like his performance against Leon was not great. (laughs) Why would he be, want to be the next guy that you fight? I don't get it. Like the only part that, nah, the only part he looked good. I mean, I understand. Yeah. It's a name, but he looked good for like a minute of that fight. Yeah, but you got. I it's mean, like, go it's like it's like Connor. Anybody's gonna want to fight Connor. You know I what get I mean? It. I get it. <laughs> Even Dustin just beat Connor again, and he said, "Hey, I want to fight him again." Another so, million dollars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you look look at when you look at the Dustin Connor situation perfectly, right? He knocked out Connor in the in the third in the second fight had an opportunity to fight for the belt and said, no, I'm going to fight this man for a third time for a payday. I get and, it. And hey, I know I'm I know now that I've this fight is this trilogy is done. I'm going to fight for the belt now, but we have to fight again. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I have to get that money. Yeah. I have to knock his ass out earlier this time. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, Red Panty Night has always been a thing and Connor, no matter what, that the legacy of Connor is stamped that. And I think because of I I think when anybody fights Connor and they beat Connor, it puts them in it helps put them in that round just be, realm just because Connor McGregor is so big. Right? So and I and I think when it comes to Nate, that's just kind of how it works. Where it's like, yo, 
hey, this is the guy that beat Connor, had a second fight with him, and we I think I think it's unanimous that most people want to see a trilogy of that fight. Here's my thing, right? right? Let's if uh and we can move on to Sean O'Malley not too far after this, but if he were to fight Dustin Poirier at one fifty five again, Nate, and then that's probably it for him. Because he can't take another loss at one fifty five in a row. He can't, period. Yeah. If yeah. he fights at 170 and he loses to Dustin, hey, Nate, let's see what can happen. I'll mix it up with him. You might have a little bit more life in your career. Yeah. I, I Personally, I, I think Connor's not going to even want to fight at one, 170 with Dustin. And only, I think he does. And, no, the reason I say that is because you remember when he lost to Nate and they were trying to push that fight down to 155 and he told them, no, I lost at 170. I want the rematch to be at 170. So, no, so I... I we got to give Connor credit, though. The guy, he ain't no bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, that's a fact. He, 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 he'll get knocked out or put to sleep, but he he still wants those tough fights. So yeah. Yeah, you got to give him credit for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's the thing where it's like, when you see someone with that type of heart, you know, like, hey, this guy, no matter what, win, lose, or draw, we know he's here to fight. Similar to uh, the opponent that Sean O'Malley had. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like you, the green-headed zombie. Like what? What's his? It's actually like Chris Matuno. Chris Matuno. Matuno. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Shout out, out to, to him, man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He he came in on short notice. He got a he got a beating, but he <laughs> stood in lifetime. There, but he stood in there and he kept trying to fight and uh, pressure. I wasn't. I I didn't agree with the stoppage from Herb Dean, but. Dana got to give that guy another shot in the UFC. You know what I mean? He has to. And we all expected, we expected Sean O'Malley to knock him out. Yeah. That that was a consensus by everybody. This man is no, for anybody listening that's not familiar with Sean O'Malley, Sean O'Malley, he's made a name for himself off of his knockouts and walk-off knockouts at that at times. Yeah. So to fight a kid that literally said, hey, I was working 80 hours a week in a painting factory, similar to the prescription that Lau gives for jobbers. This guy was work. He was working eighty. He was working eighty hours a week in a paint factory. Quit his job a month ago to focus on being a mixed martial art artist. And then he gets a call from the UFC like, "Hey, um, Sean O'Malley wants to fight. Hey, we want to put you in a fight with Sean O'Malley." Like the one thing we can say about this kid is he has the heart that we've ne- we haven't seen in a fighter in a while. Just in terms of willing to take that amount of punishment, um, I mean, there's not really much to be said. When anytime someone gets hit in the head, like I think at one time the stat was like 125 shot strikes have been landed by Sean O'Malley, while 25 have been landed by Chris Chris Minotto. So like Montano, Montano. Um, so yeah, it's it's one of those things where you just know like, hey, this kid. He took a beating, but he was still pressing on and taking shots that plenty of fighters have been dropped by Yeah, when it comes to Sean O'Malley. So I, I think he definitely deserves another shot. Um, I couldn't really even find much uh, or from what I looked up. There, there was only maybe a little bit that con- that I've seen from Dana speaking on him. But even like from what I've seen with Dana, he's like, yo, this kid is tough. He's gonna yeah, give him another a, chance, man. He, he has to. Like I, yeah. I think I, I think from that fight, though Sean O'Malley won the fight. The biggest takeaway from the fight is, yo, this kid gets the respect by. He should get the respect by all fighters because he, just the way he was getting hit, 
they could have stopped the fight in the second round if they wanted to. Even when even when Herb Dean stopped the fight, I personally believe he should have let the fight go. 30 seconds left. Exactly. 30 seconds left. This kid's been getting rocked the whole time. But then you realize, like, watching it again, I understand why he stopped the fight. The reason I say this, listen, when, the reason I say this is because even at, when he, right before he stopped the fight, he was getting, the way he was getting tagged, it would just look like, yo, it, it's one of those things where it's like, hey, you're, there's no way in the world, you. it doesn't even look like you'll be able to hit him. I understand, I don't agree with it, but I, I can understand why Herb Dean stopped the fight. So I gave Herb Dean some credit earlier about like him doing a good job, right? Okay. My thing is like, you also have to look at this situation. He was getting punched in the face for all of 24 minutes and 30 seconds, there a lot before he stopped it. And some reason 24 he, minutes. What are you talking? What fight are you referencing? Oh, I'm sorry, my bad. Fifth almost 15 minutes. Okay. And then like he he took all of like 15 damn near 15 minutes of punches to the face. And for some reason, 30 seconds more was like, okay, this is enough now. He had hit those hundred punches way before those last 30 seconds. So right. I just don't understand as to why he couldn't stop the fight. Me personally, let him go out. Let him at least hit the end of the round because he earned that much. If, if you were going to stop it, you could have stopped it two minutes into the fourth and been like, all right, that's enough. Third, two minutes into the third, Nigel. Even that. Th- sorry, no. thank you. Yeah. So I, I, I agree with both of your guys' point. If this was boxing... The guy would have been the ref would have been st- stepped in there. They they would yeah. have never let it continue. And maybe that that kind of shows kind of the probable MMA refereeing refereeing ref. Wow, I'm fucking up. Fucking <laughs> MMA <laughs> MMA refs, right? That they kind of let punishment happen a lot more than it needs to be. But at that point, it was kind of like, hey, if you weren't going to stop it earlier, why stop it at the end of the fight? especially when the guy was still coming forward trying to throw punches. So shouts out to Chris. I think he's going to get another opportunity. Dana's going to match him up with somebody more of his level, you know, given the opportunity to see like, okay, can he shine at the UFC level? Shouts out to him. I think they got fight of the night bonus. So congratulations to him too. So he got a bigger, a bigger check than what he, than what he signed up for. So good for him. Yeah, definitely good for him, man. Like, I mean, I think, I, I think at the end of the day, like what they were able to bring up, what they were able to do from that fight in terms of just, just, just I think the intensity of it, right, of being able to see someone take that type of punishment and keep going. I think he did a really great job. Um, it, it really was a testament to the type of heart that he had. Uh, I, unfortunately, like we all agree that I I think the fans got robbed the 30 seconds of the fight, especially with someone just pretty much, he was willing to go out on his shield. But if you guys rewatch that fight, it, it can't, the, the, the thing that it showed me was that, okay, this is why you have referees and you have other people outside of just the fighter making the decision. Right. Because I think, I think at that point, I think Herb Dean was probably just thinking like, hell, I'm protecting this guy. When it's all said and done, I mean, I think that's all that every fighter wants. No one wants the fighter to come back with like, I mean, we've seen the ailments that happen with fighters before in so many words. And I mean, there's a long list of CTE that's connected with fighters. And I mean, for this kid, he's so young. I think 
this I think this fight will be more of a learning lesson. Hopefully he's healthy after this fight, of course. But I think the learning lessons that he'll take from this fight in terms of skill wise, I think it'll it'll be tremendous for him. And more than likely when Dana, like you said, puts him against equal talent, I think he may actually end up showing out. Because I mean it wasn't even really, there's not I mean, granted, like there's the recipe for how to beat him is kind of mixy just because you're fighting an elite fight. You're a job or fighting an elite fighter at the end of the day. Like, you're going to get exposed from a thousand and one angles. So, and we saw a whole bunch of celebrities there. We saw uh, randomly, you had two chains next to Dave Chappelle, next to who else was there live right beside them? Um, Odell Beckham. Just all types of celebrities out there. Kardashians were there. Kardashians were there kissing their partners and whatnot. Yeah, MGK was there. I know you're like a fan favorite of him. No, I'm not. (laughs) Barely listen to his music. I listened to, what was it, Laced Up was his project that came out a long time ago? I didn't, I never, I'll be honest with you, I never really got into MGK. Mm. Uh, Only my, my, like, I mean, he had like a couple songs during the the 10s. Um... But he did have uh, what was it? Oh, he dissed Eminem. That's what it was. Yeah, oh, he said he, yeah. they said he won that one too. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think he 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 did, but My, that's neither here nor there. Well, well, I mean, since Action Bronson was in the crowd and he was kind of the talk of the town this past week about him being in UFC four, do you, do you guys even care about that? I don't give a shit. Shouts out Action Bronson. I like his music, but him being in UFC four doesn't. I don't feel anything about it. It's one of those, like, shouts out to him. I mean, I, I think for me, I'm like, I think it's super dope. And re- for me, I say that just because it's like, it, it's, I'll put it like this. Action Bronson is an anomaly when it comes to rappers, first and foremost. Like, not everything that he does in the lane that he's carved for himself is easily repeatable for art, for rappers. But I think for I think this is just a, a super dope thing because I think it just shows another avenue that you'll have rappers rappers choosing. Like, I, trust me, I wouldn't be surprised before you know it. We'll start having, um, and granted, I don't really play like 2K or any, I don't really play like basketball games or anything like that. But I wouldn't be surprised if next thing you know, you'll have artists, you'll probably have more artists actually being in sports games because of this, just because it helps open the door. I think it's just super dope. For him to be in something like this, because to me, like I, it's kind of on brand, but it's not exactly what I would expect for Action Bronson being like his his pedigree is more of rapping and cooking, and like yeah, yeah. So me personally, I think it's kind of dope. You know what I mean? It's been a while since we saw a rapper in a game, especially a fighting game. It reminds me of rappers in fighting games like Def Jam Vendetta. You know what I mean? Like, imagine if EA were to try to, you know, try to put that together again with rappers from random labels, maybe. I, I think Action Bronson would be a perfect fit for a new Def Jam game. He would. Oh, yeah. um, but it's not the first time you see non-MMA fighters in a UFC game. I don't yeah, know Bruce if people ever, they had Bruce Lee, they had Dana White, um, yeah. fucking Shaq. He was in UFC Undisputed back in the ps3 days yeah i i think the thing that just makes this really dope is because i agree like we've seen like we've seen other non non 
active fighters, non-MMA fighters in in these games before. I think the thing is just the the dope part to me is just that it's a hip hop artist. Yeah. And who knows the levels that that can open up. Imagine if they put the baby at 155, right? <laughs> <laughs> Go have a whole career. The baby knocks out Conor McGregor, Dustin, Michael Chandler, Charles Oliveira. You become the champion with the baby. Yeah, you just you gotta be a die diehard fan of the baby because mm. I can imagine a lot of people choosing the baby so they can virtually knock him out. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, listen, either he'll be in a, a a fighting game or Grand Theft Auto. So I thought you were about to say Fight Night. Him and Crunchy oh, no. Black. Oh, <laughs> th- that would be. <laughs> You want to talk about a crazy fight, man? Crunchy Listen, Black versus Deontay Wilder. I, at this point, at this point, I'm quite sure this is going to be. Uh, Deontay Wilder might be willing to take that fight because, at, if people aren't aware, uh, Tyson Fury's camp has gotten COVID nineteen, and with some people testing positive, it is potentially going to postpone the fight between Wilder Fury 3, which I believe is July 24th. AK, there's not enough interest in this trilogy, so we need to postpone it because we need to re-market and rebrand the fight. No, you know, <laughs> nobody was talking about this trilogy. Let's be real about it. As soon as the news came out, hey, Wilder is actually going to get the trilogy fight, nobody, people weren't happy to begin with. And when they had the press conference, nobody was talking about it. There was no hype about it. Fucking, yeah. fucking Connor just got knocked out in January, and the whole world exploded to go see this fucking trilogy. So, like, I, now we have a trilogy of Deontay, the former WBC heavyweight champ, against the current Tyson Fury, and not a single soul is really talking about it, unless you're a diehard boxing fan, of course. But if you're not a diehard boxing fan and you only just watch big, the big fights, you weren't even talking about it. So Tyson Fury, if he actually caught COVID or somebody in this camp caught COVID, I mean, hopefully they recover and recoup because COVID is not a joke. You know, I know people who caught COVID and I've seen how they were and they didn't, it, it hits them hard. So... But this is kind of a blessing in disguise for corrupt top rank because it gives him a chance for them to go ahead and find a way to promote this fight better to make people care. Because people don't give a shit about this fight right now. Let's be real. I mean, I think you have a point there where it it will help with promoting the fight because I, I believe now the, the fight will be slated for September if it does get postponed. Um, which is only a, a couple of months. So, which I'm quite sure, definitely if they make it like Memorial Day weekend, I think that'll help boost the fight. But I don't know. I think, I don't think there's a lot of interest in this fight anyway because of, I mean, because of Wilder, to be honest with you. I mean, let's be honest. Wilder has made excuses for both fights that he's fought Tyson Fury. One was, oh, the ref was cheating and he should have been knocked out to, oh, my suit was too heavy. My coach, my coach was um, oh, just a bunch of excuses. Long story short, because it's I actually watched something where it, it kind of dispelled some of the things that Wilder was saying was the cause for his loss. But yeah, I, I on it, to be honest with you, I just think in terms of like when we when you really think about what fighting is, is really a country based sport, right? And I and when I say that in terms of 
the hype behind a lot of sports is based off like the 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 countryman, right? Where okay, Tyson F- Conor McGregor, for instance, he's able to bring out all of Ireland. Deontay Wilder can't. Even Floyd had a hard time with that. Floyd's biggest, Floyd's biggest, one of his biggest issues when he boxed was that he wasn't respected by Americans as the like the best American fighter. So like, I mean, part of that is because of the heel persona he played. Yeah. A lot of people loved Mike Tyson. A lot of people loved other. But those are the glory days. I mean, yeah, but I mean, even even up till today, people loved Roy Jones Jr. You know what I mean? And that was kind of 2000s-ish, late 90s. Yeah. So I, I feel like now the reason why people don't support American boxers as much as American boxers would like is because they're all doing... They're all scheming and scamming behind each other. I'm not fighting him because I'm not the A side, or the or promoter A. You know they want to protect some mythical magical record, and and people don't like that shit. That's why you have these people cheering on Lomachenko's and cheering on these foreign fighters like Tyson Fury because these guys are fighting. They're fighting everybody they could possibly can. I guess the people that the people that are not ducking them, and I feel like. It, the country's getting behind those people because they're like, hey, we got real boxers. These, these American fighters, the there's some really good ones like Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford, blah, blah, blah. But the promotions are fucking them. So over money and all that. And people are not getting behind that. That's what it is. If if you had Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence, and all the other greats, Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia, if they were actually fighting each other, like, hey, we're going to shell out the money so all you guys can fight, People are going to support these American fighters like they did back in the 90s and the 80s, 70s, et cetera, et cetera. Like Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, they're kings where they're from. They're oh, absolutely. Kings. <laughs> yeah, but, and, but that's like we said, it comes down to like the the country thing, right? Where like these con- like certain because I, I agree, like we have there's talented fighters within America, right? We have talented fighters within our nation as well as dominant fighters within our nation and we have the corruption as well within just the sport where like you said we're not we won't get we'll never get terrence crawford versus errol spence jr because the promoter came out and said you won't fill up the stadium i can't make money off of it which is corrupt and unfortunate but i think a lot of sports a lot of other sports that are that get behind their fighters boxing i think is probably is ranked higher in terms of like the sports in terms of sports within that country or like in terms of interest, whether like Ireland in its case with Conor McGregor, right? They never had a fighter of that magnitude before. So it was like, correct. yo, correct. You're right. So it was like, Hey, we get behind him. When it comes to Anthony Joshua, UK has had tons of fighters over the years that are all hall of famers from top to bottom of all different divisions. And I think Anthony Joshua got the correct push. But when it comes to when it comes to like American fighters, I think f- we once had that when you had like your Tysons, the, the your Tysons, Roy Jones Juniors, Holyfields, the two thousands era. But I think in the two thousand tens era, Floyd dominated that era with a to a point where he created I think he restructured the business model from for fights. 
I, I'm hopeful that boxing changes, but at the gist of it, when it comes down to the Wilder versus Fury fight, I mean, no matter if the fight takes took place Jan- July 24th, September 4th, December 24th, we all know Fury is going to win the fight. It's, it's, it's the reason why when it came down to the ESPYs, he won the best boxer. He won the best boxer of the year. So it is what it is. So shout out, congrats to him on that, as well as congrats to Habib on winning the best MMA fighter uh, out of of the ESPYs, though he didn't fight in 2021. But that's neither here nor there. Um, Jesus. Hey, hey, man, just keeping that energy, man. Hey, hey, Nacho, you have a... you have a say on this, uh, you know, trilogy that nobody really cares about. You know, <laughs> I d- honestly don't really care to see it like that. Um, to me, it means nothing that it's postponed because when it comes on in September, yeah, I'll be watching it, but I won't be paying. Uh, to me, this doesn't really mean much of anything. Like, shouts out to, uh, you know, Deontay Wilder for I guess being ready, but at the same point in time, he has done jack shit to promote his fight and maybe that's him you know showing preparation or maybe that's just him not being good at promoting his own fight because because he knows he's going to lose let's just call a spade a spade he's better off fighting the the guys the charlie guy that was running around fighting fighting you remember the kid the charlie kid yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. like he's better off fighting that guy at this point like was, charlie z yeah, Charlie Z. Char- I think it was like zelling off or something like that. Like uh, I don't know. Yeah. Hey, so. hey. I mean, I don't know, man. I I think Wilder is gonna lose again, and maybe it's a way to help postpone that that mm. mental for you know for help to help him prepare for that defeat again. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I and plus on top of it, it is <laughs> I, I I agree with you. Plus on like I mean, let's call a spade a spade. Like he more than likely he we all know. He, he knows he's going to lose. Let's just call it space. He knows he's going to lose. And I think also, like, it, it'll give him some time to, like, since he doesn't have to worry about the fight, he can actually sit down and watch, like, the NBA, be invested in Chris Paul's quest for the NBA championship at this point. So, listeners, here we go. By the time this episode comes out, more than likely, we'll, we might have the NBA champions because tonight as we're recording it is game three mm. Suns are up 2-0 the way the Bucks have been playing it looks like the Suns could go up 3-0 by the time this recording is over so crazy next week of course listeners are going to recap um I think the Suns are going to win in five games because the Bucks they're playing pretty bad what do you guys think before we move on um i i'll be honest with you i wouldn't be surprised if i i I wouldn't be surprised if this game goes if this series goes to five games max where the bucks may get one win but other than that it's it's looking shaky for them and at the same time it's bittersweet for the is it sucks for them but i'm happy for chris paul yes because i think it's what been in the league what 16 years or like 15 or 14 to 16 years something uh, uh, extensive amount of time for a minute he's been and, in the league for a minute exactly so i mean i i don't think i don't think the bucks have a i don't think the bucks are going to win i think the in the words of lavar ball too big too strong um yeah i 
I think is I think they have their number at this point. So you know, I thought it was funny because the other day I saw a Photoshop picture of Chris Paul's head posted on Gollum's body from Lord of the Rings. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's like it just looked kind of crazy, but I think the Suns are gonna take it, man. Like I think that pretty much is gonna be over by the time the listeners here and shouts out to us for them. Um, also, I think something's gonna be interesting for next year because like apparently Damian Lillard has said that he's not going to be, or he's interested in the trade. So I'm like, wouldn't it be interesting if Damian Lillard went to the Bucks or the Lakers? That would be, if he went to the Bucks. Imagine if Damian Lillard went to the Bucks. If he was on the Bucks this year, they'd win. It would it would be tougher. It would be tougher. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not going to necessarily say a guarantee, but it definitely looks like, it would be um, the it wouldn't be an easy win whatsoever for him. I think it's going to be interesting the way this whole thing plays out, especially for Dame Lillard. Um, and like we said, by the time by the time this gets out, the NBA Finals may be over. Uh, I I think at that point, everybody will be able to actually relax for the rest of the week. And as most people may know, or if you didn't know, Space Jam releases this weekend. So probably by the the day after this comes out, so tomorrow, I believe Space Jam will actually be premiering. So I think a lot of people will be watching that, uh, especially with LeBron. Are you? How do you guys feel about uh, the the new Space Jam remake coming out with LeBron? Are you guys excited for that? I'm I mean, are you guys are you guys really excited for that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, tell me how excited are you to watch that? Are I'm, you excited? No. I'm going to are, watch it. Are you excited? Hey man, I hey man, listen, I, I'm excited every day I wake up. Are you are excited you, to watch I, that? Exactly. Yeah, I'm excited every day I wake up and That's breathe. The answers now. That's <laughs> now. <laughs> you know what I think is crazy about this? Uh, I keep on seeing people say like, "Oh, Lola Bunny is less curvy than she was in the '90s," and I'm like, "Oh, that's weird." It's that like weird. that's what they keep on saying. A lot, a lot of people are saying that's that. that's you hint. That's the hentai hentai lovers, man. That's what they're saying. That's the I, hentai lovers. All man. I know is, uh, I think Zendaya is voicing her. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. So shout out to her. But um, Space Jam. I mean, I'm not man. This shit looks whack. So I, it looks cheesy. Shouts out to LeBron because he's starting to, you know, think about post basketball. I don't, man. I don't, I'll put it like this: if I see the movie, it's not because I wanted to see it. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there was a movie I wanted to see this weekend, and I kind of feel like it was a waste of my time. Black Widow came out, and it was not good to me. I didn't enjoy it that much at all. No, I didn't. I I actually think it's kind of shitty. Really? You've been waiting for that movie for like a year. I can't say I was waiting for it for a year, but I've been... For eons. (laughs) (laughs) So, yo, as soon as Marvel put out the the next five years of releases, I saw Black Widow, and I just knew in 2017, I cannot wait. Nah, yeah. man. Nah, I, I like watching the comic book shit, but I mean, like, this movie just wasn't that good, man. Yeah. I saw the movie, too. I went to go see it with the old lady, and uh, the movie sucked. Yeah. Really? 
Yes. Yeah, it sucked. I, and I was going to watch it, whether it was in the theaters or not, because I like Nigel. I like watching the Marvel movies. But this movie here, man, I was just like, I think it was just more disappointing than it was trash. Because mm. it was like there were some good parts in it and there were some ha ha funny parts in it. But it wasn't, there was a lot of cheesy stuff. The story wasn't that great. Some of the, the action scenes were very like, it was just super cheesy, man. And and it's funny because one of the characters in the movie actually makes fun of that. She actually makes fun of Black Widow for doing the cheesy shit. Yeah. Hold on, doing, what? Yeah. It's like you do this pose and shit. Like everybody's watching you all the time. Why do you do that? It's like you're saving the world, but you're out here posing. Yeah. That's she and, said. It was kind of funny. Yeah, it was it was kind of like she was breaking the fourth wall a little bit. But obviously that's not she's not supposed to break the fourth wall but you know the audience knows that that's what was happening but uh yeah the movie's not good i will only tell people to watch it if you're if you're a fan of the marvel movies because it does have it fills in some blanks far as like story and all that stuff but i wouldn't recommend anybody to watch it to it's 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 a chore to watch it yeah it's mm. a chore yeah. i wanted to is it like it 2 hours Yep. Yeah, Plus. it's about two hours. Oh, oh yeah. so even longer. Yeah, two hours and 15 minutes, man. So, yeah. honest, I'm going to be real. I'm going to be really real about it. You can skip this movie. Go on YouTube and watch the breakdowns from these YouTube channels about it. And you will you will understand. Don't, listeners, don't go watch the movie. Just don't. <laughs> go, go on YouTube, watch the breakdowns that some of these YouTube channels provide. And you will understand. You will know what the movie's about, and you will also know all the hints and all the Easter eggs. Blah blah blah. Fucking blah. This movie is just. It's it's a real chore to get through, and uh, good riddance. It's, so, good. Well, I was gonna ask you guys. So, as is it is it bad because? And I think it's safe to say that y'all are, are are diehards more when it comes to like Marvel content, or is it just not bad? Die hard. Not diehard. Well, well, if not a diehard, but you active fans of Marvel Marvel films, right? Okay. Long story short, is it bad because you're invested in the in Marvel so much, or is it just a bad movie? It's just, it's just a bad movie. Yeah, it's just but, not a good. It's just not a good movie, and, and you don't have to be a Marvel fan to look at this and be like, uh, I actually enjoyed. The Chris Pratt movie, The Tomorrow's War, that just came out mm-hmm. on Amazon. I enjoyed that movie a, a lot more than the Black Widow movie, and so, and that movie wasn't great neither, but it was more entertaining than Black Widow. So here's my thing, right? Like, and I'm gonna spoil something if the listeners, you know, care to watch this, whatever, cool, go for it. <laughs> spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! It's coming in. <laughs> so. One of the things they try and drive home about this movie is Black Widow's family and why family is important to her, right? So in the beginning of the movie, they're like running away from these people, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the mom gets shot. So like, you know, she gets shot and it's like, oh, she's losing a lot of blood. They reach like this island. I think it's Cuba. And the dad's just like, all right, bitch. And just like kind of leaves her to like go and bleed out. 
<laughs> what? <laughs> but but this loving family, and then he's like, he just sells his daughters off, and they all get back together later in the movie, and like, we're so loving. I'd be like, no, fuck you. Like, like, why would I want to be around these people and like try to pretend like y'all were loving? Y'all clearly weren't. I mean, that isn't that what family is defined as, though. Well, there. Well, you know, continue spoiler alert, fans. And honestly, you know, you're not really missing out much. But there weren't there weren't a family. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought they were like an actual family. No, but you know how family. You know, you know how like yo know, the, the people have like that one uncle or that aunt that nobody likes and yeah. always causes problems at the cookout. But she was like, oh, I mean, I don't like Uncle Ted, but you know can't you don't you don't, you can't pick who your family is but it's so they're just like friends or no they're, they're just people friends. they're just people no. together ordinary so, people in the words of john legend something like that exactly so, actually there there were a family but they weren't a family biologically there gotcha. were a fam- there were a family due to certain circumstances like them gotcha. getting kidnapped huh like them getting kidnapped yeah so they like trauma bonding pretty much no, well, uh, I'm just messing certain... around. I'm messing around. I was about to say, like, <laughs> no, no, no. the the mom and dad, they're Russian spies, essentially. Got you. So, the the dad, he has superhuman strength. He's like the Russian version of Captain America during the '80s, hmm. and he was tasked to live in America to, I guess, st- steal secrets. I'm assuming, but they they had him in his fake family for a few years to make it seem like he's actually American citizen until Mm. it's his time to, you know, take the secrets back to Russia. You can tell they were trying to make it like this spy espionage movie at first. And I was like, okay, you know, let's see where it goes. Cause you know, they did like Captain America Winter Soldier, which is like one of the best Marvel movies. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like that's like the the peak, right? So they clearly can do it midway through the movie it's like oh, okay we're doing like cheesy action now so like mm. I, I don't know it, to me it's just like a mismatch of bullshit so let because i i talked to i think i talked to Naja like maybe before this had came out before the movie had came out and we were talking about um just marvel series now right how they've pushed more towards like the series style do you think this would have been better had it been a ser- had had it been a series and they would have had more time to like draw these things out cuz the the way it, the way it sounds it kind of sounds like they had an idea of what to do in the first half and then said, "Yo, listen, man, the movie's going to it's still going to be box office numbers, so like just put anything from the way you guys make it sound." So would it have been better had it just been a a series? Thank God it wasn't as serious because it would it would be drawn the fuck out. Thank, it's fine. It's a movie. It just wasn't a good movie. I don't think making it serious would have made it any better. Gotcha. I mean, they could have, but me personally, they would if they would have had more time to like you know dig into the family and why they feel like so close, but really they weren't. Then sure, you know why not? But I I would not be in a rush to watch it. I just don't think they should have done a Black Widow movie. Honestly, I don't think her character was all that to begin with. Like, I feel like that when you're comparing her to the other Avengers, right? You have Iron Man, Captain America, the Hulk, Thor, blah, blah. These are characters that kids are running around in T-shirts in. These are larger than life characters. When you see Black Widow, 
I'm not saying she's not a bad character if you're really into her, but she's not larger than life. She's she's a sideshow character in a sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, but- here's my thing, right? Like with characters like that, and you even see it in comic books too, like you don't need the best character to make a great story. And I'm not saying right. that her character is necessarily the worst character ever, which, you know, I don't think so. But it's like, I think the movie is not good because of the writing and directing they did. Right, it's not because right. of her character. You know what I mean? No, but, and I get what you're saying, but I just feel like her character, we're in a climate now with these franchises. When they're putting out a movie, especially behind a particular character, because the character is big enough to to basically make money, basically to beat box office. Black Widow, the only reason why they're making this Black Widow movie is because of the name tag of Marvel. Imagine if they did Black Widow in the mid-2000s to late-2000s. That movie, not not a lot of people would be fucking with the movie like that. The reason why it works now is because of, hey, she's part of the Marvel franchise. Majority of their movies are good, so we're going to give it a shot. And I just feel it's not... Black Widow's not Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is a larger-than-life character. Black Widow is... Without the Avengers, who is Black Widow? You you feel what I'm saying? I hear what you're saying, but I just think the story for that movie wasn't good. Not not because of character. That's no, no. I mean, fair enough. If you want to go say that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'll put it like this. I mean, as a person that's not as uh, familiar with all of the Marvel Universe... Just from an outside perspective, I just figured this was like just a new installment on what they were trying to do. Because uh, one thing I've noticed with the Marvel films in the past decade is that it looks like they're trying to showcase more uh, more avenues outside of like the conventional the the conventional standards when it comes to the heroes of like your Captain Americas, your Spider Mans, X Y and Z, blah 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 blah. So like. I, to me, that's what to me that's how I looked at it. Like, I that's why I figured like, okay, I've never. I'll be honest with you, I didn't even know about this film until like maybe a couple weeks ago through a YouTube ad. So, I just figured like, oh, okay, this is just a new installment. Like, I, I'm quite sure if it's if the is the reception overall by everybody else that it's bad or mid. It, it's yeah, people. It's it's definitely mixed. Some people. They'll be like, yeah, you know, it's not that bad. But some people are, are like with me and I was like, hey, this just this is just not a good movie. It's not the worst movie in the world, no, but it's, it's just not good. Mm, okay, I got you. Maybe that might have been what Travis, Travis Scott and Meek Mill were arguing about then. <laughs> if the movie was good or not. <laughs> <laughs> which I one like of them shit. Yeah, which one of them liked it if you had to pick? It was me. Yeah, yeah me, me was the man of the movie, <laughs> and he wasn't yeah. having it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yo, I'm not, yo. What would you do if it was me? Like, um, yeah, I definitely could have seen that. I could have seen that being the whole argument because I don't really see what other thing you would argue with Travis Scott about. To be honest with you, I mean, we saw what happened when uh, Tory Lanez did a pull up. So you get what I'm saying, like, but yeah, um, I'm not sure if listeners know, but Meek Mill and Travis Scott were. <clears throat> at the worst place to have this argument. I believe they were at Diddy's all white party. Wow. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I lied. They weren't at Diddy's house. They were at, um, Michael, Michael Rubin. Rubens, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Michael Rubin, Robert Kraft, Jay-Z. And I put Jay-Z in that category because he's, that's, he's a billionaire with yeah. all his billionaire friends. <laughs> right. Like he's, he's a rapper. 
He's a, place a former. Where people aren't trying to fight. Exactly in yeah. the Hamptons because oh. there's too there's too much money to fight. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> exactly. No, if, if you're at this party, you make a good amount of money. You're not. You're. You know, none of your bullshit friends are here. This. Hey, you're here because you make a lot of money. Exactly. <laughs> The you owner of like. exactly the the owner of the seventy sixers invites you to his house for an all white party with other music artists as well as of course the greatest rapper of all time personally Jay Z like because mm. I don't care what anybody says all those artists there have all looked up to Jay Z and if they haven't Jay Z has definitely paved the way for all of those artists right and if he had even if for whatever reason he has it, he is the the highest standard of what a music artist can be at the end of the day, just in terms of his explorations outside of music. You would have thought everybody would have had the sense not to do anything stupid or have an art. I'm, I'm, that's the only, honestly, I really think the Black Widow could have been the only thing Travis Scott and Meek Mill could have argued about because Travis Scott doesn't come across like that person. Or he might have wanted a pair of Travis Scott Jordans. That might have been the other other option, but... Yeah, it's uh, long story short, it didn't look good for me. I guess he was trying to fight Travis Scott at this party in the Hamptons. Why would anybody want to fight Travis Scott? Unless Travis Scott was like, you know, hey, suck my dick, you bitch ass nigga. You know, <laughs> but, but but he <laughs> like, doesn't come across like that. Exactly. Though. It seems like this guy is really in his own world, minds his business. He's fucking with Kylie with his daughter, making music. Doing doing Travis Scott shit. He's like in his own world. Like he's not outside trying to trap. He's not outside <laughs> trying to fucking get caught up in bullshit. Like I don't I I, I don't know, man. When when is Mika's gonna come out with some music? Let, can we ever talk about that? That honestly, I that that is a more interesting conversation. I and you know what? I wouldn't be surprised because I think um looking at Meek Mills' Instagram, he has an album coming. Right. So maybe it could have been an album related conversation, which I don't that's the only thing I could think of in terms of like maybe try he was like, Yo, Travis, can you produce this song? And he probably said no. And then of course, you know how of course we saw the the backlash of it. But yeah, I think Meek at this point needs to just focus on just putting out an album because I think he it's been what, like two years now? Two or three years now since his last album championship. I just don't understand about three, yeah. I just don't understand why every other time we talk about Meek, it's for something that's not necessarily good and has nothing to do with his music. Like, and it's been this way. Like, this is a this is a theme. This is a pattern. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of that is also the these blogs. No, well, I don't even want to say blog site. Social media is always capturing the bad shit that he does. Of course. And I'm not, hmm. and, and I'm not saying that Meek doesn't bring anything upon himself. It's just that. They always catch the bad shit that he does. And then when he does do shit with music, they don't really post it. Yeah. Nah, that's true. Because the one thing you can tell by just observing Twitter especially, right, is that they don't like him. And primarily it's the that's barbs. True. Like, I, I've, literally, I've literally seen on his birthday, he was trending on his birthday, of a barb retweeted him saying, I hope today is the worst day of your life. <laughs> like, and this is just like the consensus by a lot of fans, unfortunately. Like I like I've always said, I think he's getting I think he's at the point I hate using the Batman quote, but I guess you could say it's like he's lived long enough to 
go from being a hero to a villain in so many words. It, because he, he gets the Wale treatment now. Because you remember when Wale was considered trash when he was spitting still. Why do people care about Meek Mill's life so much? Because it's one, like Lau said, I think there are moments where he doesn't make himself look the best. Of course. And I think in those mo I think that I think the thing about it for people is that he he's not like an entry level rapper, right? At, I think it's safe to say Meek Mill is at like he's at he's at the higher tier when it comes to music artists. At the end of the day, whether you like it, dislike it, whatever. In his genre that he puts out of music and street music, he's at the he's at the top at the end of the day. And I think when you look at artists that are at the top, some things he decides to do are just not um they just don't match up. Some people would say they don't match up to someone at that space, right? DJ Academics coined it as saying like Meek Mill tries to make some makes himself look like he's the toughest person in any room that he goes into and that's so he's got to take what comes with it. Yeah, and that's that's what academic that's how academics looks at it in terms of um the uh the, the reason for some of his backlash, but he does make himself look bad at times. Uh hoping that he just puts out music. I think it's all been said and I think it's best that he just puts out music and just stays away from cameras. Shouts out to Meek and shouts out to Philly. Big facts. Big facts. Shout shout outs to Meek. I will say this at the end of the day. I know I'll be waiting for his next album to come out. In the meantime, I'm just listening to whatever else is put out. Uh, I actually stumbled upon IDK. Uh, I've heard of his music before, but he put out an album. Um, I, I think it's called You See, you See For Yourself. Right. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not sure if you guys listen to it, but this album was really, really good. I, I'm into this new thing that artists are doing where they're hiding the the features. When, they, when you go on Apple Music, for instance, I only knew about Offset and Young Thug. It only said Offset and Young Thug being on here. Didn't say anything about West Side Gun, J Electronica, MF Doom, Pharrell producing a beat, Sway Lee, Rico Nasty, DMX, um, Slick Rick. Like, he literally pulled, this was a really great album. He pulled from so many different artists as well as, like, just push. Did you guys, did you guys have a chance to listen to it? I, I listened to it, and um, I'm going to listen to it again for a second time. But, but with my first listen, I agree. I think this album is pretty good. Um, it might be a sleeper pick for like album of the year type of deal because he's not a bigger artist, but he, the album, the music is good. It's I had nothing bad to say about the album. Um, I think it's actually kind of creative of the approach that he took. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of like a Kanye album, how the songs are supposed to go along and they tie together. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, it's a cohesive project. So shouts out to IDK or I, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't know how he wants to pronounce his name, but no pun intended or whatever like that. But he, no, for real, like I, I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's. I don't know. I don't know if it's IDK. Like. Yeah. But what I will say is, like, I think the album's dope. I am going to listen to it for a second time to pick up on things I might have missed the first um, time. Listen, listening through it. Uh, to kind of reply to what you were saying before I started my take on it was um, I'm not a fan of that. I like when 
they label all the artists because let's say let's say they're trying to introduce the artists that you that you've never heard of never you didn't know they existed you wouldn't know you maybe we'll have the means to kind of find these non-listed artists but not everybody has the brain power to do that and i'm not knocking those people who don't have the brain power but that's just somebody who's used to listening to whatever comes out on the radio they're not going to go out the way to find shit so what i'm saying is I like when they do list all the artists because if I come across an artist that I I hear, then I'm like, oh, I'm gonna check this artist out. I'm gonna I'm who is this person's name? All right, boom, I go on Apple Music, Spotify, whatever, and search their catalog. That's kind of how I found Crime Apple. That's kind of how mm-hmm. I found you know pretty other you know a lot of these artists because they're featured on their names are being listed. So I'm not entirely a fan of fan of that is it a deal breaker for me absolutely not you know it doesn't take away that the album is good or bad i think this album is a good album and hopefully more people listen to it and give it give it some respect yeah i listened to this album uh this is the first like uh album that i've actually enjoyed from uh idk since i was very bad um, I, I tried to give one of the projects that came out with in between this uh this one and that one and i just wasn't really feeling it like that but I enjoy this album. I thought it sounded pretty good. Um, he actually had MF Doom on. I was very bad for a feature as well. So, I mean, like, I'm, I'm not sure as to how he came along with both those features. If you know MF Doom, he's not somebody who's just out on the street chilling. Well, yeah. it wasn't, I should say, <laughs> RIP. You know RIP. I mean? Yeah. I mean, so, I... Sorry, go ahead. I don't want to cut you off. Go ahead. My bad. I mean, like, it, overall, like, I haven't listened. I listened to a majority of the album. It sounds good. Um, I like the song Puerto Rico. I think that song is a nice sounding song. But I mean, like, he's also just rapping well. Like, he's a good rapper. And I think that uh, this is another good entry for him. And shouts out to him. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I definitely agree with you when it comes to the MF Doom part where it's like, when I first listened to it, I just, I was blown away at West because on that same track you have Westside Gun, MF MF Doom as well as J Electronica, which are, I mean, we all know Westside is Westside, right? So outside of Westside, you have two lyrical machines on here that I think most people will respect their pen in terms of lyricism, which is J Electronica and MF Doom prior to listening to this album. So I can definitely understand. Um, I can understand like trying to add like that's the real question is like how did you get MF Doom and J Electronica verses which are yeah. not easy verses to get exactly exactly it should yeah. be very hard it's uh, like you yeah. know finding like what is like one of those hidden treasures you know what I mean yeah, yeah. fountain yeah. of youth yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but when you speak of fountain of youth right like he has a song with Sway Lee and Rico Nasty and who produced that the Neptunes so like it's like Pharrell when it comes to founding youth of as we know like the vampire himself yeah, exactly like and shout outs to Pharrell because I saw he has a skin care line through Adidas now which is pretty That's dope what's up. yeah like shout outs to him for that like um but yeah like outside of like you you just realize like yo my take from this album was that there is a machine that's behind him because I've listened to IDK before and I, he I've heard like maybe one or two singles that I liked excuse me but he was i wasn't familiar with him in so many words right so 
listening to this, it had me just like, wow. Like, whoever's behind him, because he had he had pretty much all the A-list artists, right, in their respective spaces. Westside Gun might not be considered an A-list artist, but in terms of the sound that he's curated across, like, hip-hop now, he's an A-list artist for that sound, right? As well, Griselda is an A-list is the A-list for that sound. Um, J Electronica, well, I'm, I'm not even going to get my opinion there, but um, you have someone like Swaley or you have like Seven Streeter there. Like these are like big artists or respected artists in their own space. And to get them all on this one album, you know he's being backed by like the 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 right people with the right connections. To me, the a lot of the album you can hear where it's it sounds very polished. So and I mean I think I think Especially if any, song with Offset. Yeah, I, see I don't even, I don't even remember how that one went because I I was just playing. I'm not gonna lie to you. I literally was playing it back to back to back. No pun intended. So like, yeah, like I mean I'm quite sure it was good because I I the reason why I don't remember how that song goes is because right after the Offset song is the song with Westside Gun, and. I guess it kind of I, I to respond back to what Lau was saying earlier about like not being a fan of like the the tracks. I totally understand that because as a person familiar with Westside, as soon as I hear his voice, I know who it is. But if it's someone that's like, oh, I like IDK and I like more polished hip hop music, for lack of better terms, you're not going to know who you may not know who Griselda is at all. So I can definitely understand, or J Electronica, because like I mean, respected um, amongst all of hip hop, but at the same time, he's like this anomaly of putting out one album with features Jay Z. But outside of that, nobody really knows who he is out unless you like came up during like the early two thousand tens. So like, but I mean, to me, I, I'll say this: the thing that made me like the album so much was just the hidden features. Because I just was pressing play. I didn't know what to expect, right? Other than like, oh, he has Offset, Thug. Who knows? This might be like more of that sound. And then you press play. And then at one point, you I'm listening to one of the tracks at the end. And I just hear DMX pop on, doing a prayer. And I'm like, hold on. You know how DMX just passed this year. You know how hard it is. I, well, for one, I think that probably means DMX had to work with him before he passed. And then, too, it's like, though there were mixed reviews behind DMX's album that came out, this was kind of like hearing DMX doing a prayer on this album, on IDK's album, was like, oh, this is the sound that I I miss when it comes to DMX. So, I don't know. I think I definitely would tell everybody you definitely need to check out this IDK album. Uh, You see for yourself, all one word. Uh... Yeah, and it's super dope. Like, 1995 was probably my favorite song off of there, so. I took a time out to listen to that, and I listened to G Haribo's album because we were mm. talking about it last week on the podcast. And I like G Haribo's album for the most part. Really? But here's the, but here's the thing. Wow's <sighs> analysis was correct. It's too damn long. Now, if this project was, like, 10 to 12 songs of, like, the best songs on the project... It'd probably be a fire project. I think G Herbo either needs to just put out like two of these type of projects a year and cut it in half, 
or he might need an executive producer in the room with him to really get to like the meat and potatoes of what he's doing. Cause it's not, mm. he's rapping, he's rapping and the songs by themselves don't sound bad, but it sounded like it was just hard to get through over time. It was just too long. Mm, yeah, no, that's true though. Like, I mean, I think, cause I think that album was uh, like 17 songs. 19. 19. 19 fucking songs, man. It wasn't yeah, short. I, yeah, but I mean, it's, it kind of goes against like the direction of like music today, though, where we're getting everybody's got accustomed to like the twenty minute albums. He gave he's like, yeah, I'm giving you like forty five minutes or hour and nine minutes of G Herbo, which I think for like his diehard fans, they probably loved it. But here's the thing, right? There's nothing wrong with an album being long. We've seen multiple artists pull it off, but there's usually something or the music's just so good that you can put that out that type of music on for like an hour and that's usually around the time where people are like okay i'm about to check out d herbo's not making the type of music where it's like hey i want to hear this for an extended period of time it's more or less trap so it's like okay do you want to hear trap for an extended period of time or do you want something that's short and concise that's why pistol p was such a dope project and people liked it i i agree with nigel heavily on that we just talked about idk and you know, at a former episode of the podcast, we talked about Tyler Creator. These are both projects where, hey, they're about 16, 17 tracks, whatever the fuck. But the reason why people like it, because we can we can the type of rap that they're doing can be endured for a duration of time. Now, when you have somebody who raps about one subject particularly and it and it's kind of geared towards drill or geared towards trap. Who wants to sit in a room and listen to an hour long full of that type of music? It's it's hard to listen to. We all like Gucci Man. We're not listening to Gucci Man an hour straight. We're just not. No, <laughs> it, 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 it's, no, it's true. It's true. So so it's just, I look at it like I, that's how I look at it. So unless it's a DJ drama album, maybe. Yeah, the, the bachelor, the one with Bachelor Pad on it. The movie could listen to that back to back, but I but totally understand that? what you mean. I mean, was that an hour long as well? I don't, it probably was. It might have been only... I mean, you got to think that's like 2009, 2008. Well, Gucci did put out three mixtapes in the same day. Yeah. <laughs> so. He's he's known for doing stuff like that more than once. Nah, nah that's a fact. Ayo, so switching... Well, before I say that, so when it came to like the 25 album by G Herbo, what would you give it in terms of a rating? out of five it's tough man because he's rapping and the music like the songs by themselves aren't really that bad but as a project it's not that good because it's so long like it's it's tough and i would say you probably got to give it a two you have to wow you have to because of the way it's structured not because of the songs and the content like it's just as an album it just doesn't sound great and it's hard to get through I can respect that. I can respect that. I can definitely respect that. I mean, it's like, I, I, I think certain. I I definitely understand what you mean because like I I listen to it even like being in the car, I listen to it being in the. Well, it's not an album that's like for being in the house personally, but like I listen even, to it while I'm working out. And it still was hard to get through. Yes. Jeez, it's too long. <laughs> it's too and you long, know, man. And you know, like you know, like workout when you're working out, 
trap music is probably like a, a good it's like it's it's hip hop's version of rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll give you a case in point, right? Out on Bond, Slime Cedo. Project came out earlier this year. It's not a short it's not a short project where it's like four or five songs, but it's not twenty. And it's like like it gets to the point, he gets in, gets his raps off, everything's cool. It might be like forty minutes. One of my favorite projects of the year so far. This this is too long. Period. Yeah. I mean it yeah. It hey, listen, man. It's like that. I mean, I'm not mad at that. I think hopefully hopefully he's able to take like your 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 critiques and hopefully he's able to like switch that around because I'm quite sure that there were people that said they liked the album but I totally understand what you mean because it's shouts out to G Herbo yeah definitely shouts out to G Herbo congratulations again on him having a son I think about a month ago at this point so I do want to take something back that I said uh probably about a month ago maybe about nine episodes ago when we were talking about the uh Mount Rushmore right and the reason I bring it up is because he he had her as a feature uh, as one of his most notable remixes, which is Nicki Minaj. I take everything I said back. Nicki Minaj is the only other person that deserves to be on the Mount Rushmore. Other than like other than when we had said where there was Drake, Cole and Kendrick outside of that, there's nobody else that deserves it other than Nicki. I think a lot of it has been shown um, through the flowers that she's been getting a lot lately. From her being on the remix with Bia, to her even doing the remix with Soldier Boy, um, I think we, I, I, granted, I always, we've always known Nicki Minaj was a big artist, the biggest artist of her, one of the biggest artists of her, of her, her run. Seeing the way these female artists, the female artists today, just fangirl over her, I, I gotta chime in. Those, I, I respect the queen. I think her being on the Mount Rushmore, I'm not mad at that at all. I respect the queen. All them barbs and all these motherfucking diehard oh, fans of her. When you her canceled, man. <laughs> no, I'm no, I, I mean I shouldn't. And if we get canceled over it, it shows how idiotic they are. So <laughs> what what I wanna say is this when Nicki Minaj drops her album, that motherfucker better be the number one album of the week. It's better be sold over two hundred fucking thousand copies. It, it no, it ha, it, it got it has to be. It will. I, it, I and it it should, it should. <laughs> will it? We don't fucking know. I'm gonna say this much. Every time she drops some music, She'll do good numbers. Like she'll she'll kill all the other female artists not named Cardi B, as far as sales goes. But she's not killing some of the male artists as she should be because these fucking female diehard fans they're not going out there and supporting her music the way it should be fucking supported. And and I and that I really have a problem with that. All these people always want they they talk about well why aren't they supporting this why aren't they supporting that no you fucking support it and everybody's talking shit they need to go support it i'm gonna listen to Nicki minaj's next album i know you guys are gonna listen to that shit there's a reason why cardi b even though she's not better than Nicki minaj lyrically and you can even say musically as well with, with certain songs or whatever 
But there's a reason why she's out. She's the number one female rapper is because fucking people are going nuts and blasting her fucking music. I mean, they are. They are. Whether whether the song sucks or not, they're going crazy for her. And the same thing's happening a little bit with Meg the Stallion. So these females better be doing that shit for Nikki. Give her that. That's giving her real flowers. Stream her fucking music. I mean, I think I honestly, I think that I think that's not far fetched from happening though. I mean, her when she re released "Beam Me Up, Scotty," it went number two on the Billboard, like which is, I mean, for a re released out, you re releasing a mixtape that came out ten years ago. How, like, did it did it go number two because of of her, or did it go number two because she had Le, LeBron and and Kobe on the tracks for her? It's because of her. It's be it's be I said and listen, <laughs> yo, listen. You say what you want. You say what you want. You have your opinion. I I totally understand. Like when it comes down to it, yes, she had the she had some very new verses that were very in high demand by everybody. Right, I definitely agree there. Hey, but listeners, but, fact check, please fact check. See what the numbers are with that stuff. It was number I, two. It went I, number two. All I'm saying, listen, is fact check. If you care enough, which you probably do because you're listening, fact check this and see what it really is. If I'm wrong, then I'm fucking wrong. But I'm it, just saying these these fans, they got it. The it's nice to praise her and all that stuff as she should get because she's earned that. They need to stream her shit. They need to make sure her shit is good. I'm gonna do my part and listen to her shit when it drops, and hopefully all these so-called warriors online hopefully they do that shit too man you know it's crazy because like i i'm gonna listen to that shit when it comes out but like i think that Nicki minaj does well but like you said like they do need to show out for her i think that it's gonna be interesting and i'm not gonna take away from drake and lil wayne being on that song as far as the sales go for that like that's Mm. you know you know how that goes yeah, I mean, I know that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, but let's be all. Let I mean, okay, let's be careful with the word stimulus when it, when we're speaking to Nicki Minaj. I mean, I mean, Drake, but like, Drake, Drake is the stimulus package. He yeah. is. He, he, <laughs> he yeah. is. He, Look, trust me, call me the Drake hater. I, we and we and we know you live and die on that cross. But, <laughs> like that's not a that's not a surprise. But neither here nor there. It, hey, it's just facts. Like, it, but at the same time, like I don't get me wrong. When you have artists like Drake, Wayne, that put a song that we have not that if if we're gonna really be honest about it, that was subliminally campaigned to us for like maybe two days prior to the release of this joint, right? And reason I say that is because the beat that they used for seeing green was like trending for like two days on Twitter. And everybody's like, yo, whoever this guy is who made this beat, someone needs to rap on it. And then they put all these different rappers on this beat. And then we find out that it's actually Nicki Minaj, Lil Wayne, and Drake. Like, don't get me wrong. That does play a factor. But I do believe, and it actually was, I I believe it actually was like, that song actually helped her break a record where she was like, uh, I believe it's... uh, Actually, something I read where it's like in 2001, 2021 was like the that re-release actually made her surpass like Janet Jackson for like the most uh for the second most top ten singles 
on hip hop and R and B charts with C and Green. Um, but even that song only debuted for, at for second top most top ten singles for like female artists. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was gonna say like, man, I that she's. I know she's up there, but number two, like, holy shit, who else does she beat out? Yeah, well, but, it's... Oh, yeah. But, but for a female artist, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 Like, from what I'm reading, it's like the the 2021 re-release also made Nicki Minaj surpass Janet Jackson as the female artist, surpass Janet Jackson as the C- female artist with the second most top 10 singles on the hip-hop and R&B songs chart with Seeing Green debuting mm. at number eight. Without yeah. without being officially released as a single, so that's crazy. Shout out mean, to her. Yeah, as as she's the queen. Yeah. yeah. So like, I think, I think at the end of the day, I think she, her, I think her barbs are always going to show out for, um, and even like from what we saw trending in Twitter, like the fan boy and the her hive is so strong that when she puts out an album, I think it, I think without question, it'll go number one. Unless, of course, like we saw before when Travis Scott pulled out an album. Hey, 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 I mean, l- let's be real. Travis Scott, he's a he's a global phenomenon. Like yeah. he he he's making people who don't even listen to rap music tune into his shit. So yeah. N- N- Nikki, I'm not saying that she doesn't make people who don't listen to rap music tune into her, but she's that's just not what she does. Yeah, While Travis but- Scott, he there's people who are like. I only listen to fucking rock music. I fucking hate rap. But when Travis Scott comes on, I'm buying that. So yeah. that that's what I'm. So there's there's a difference with it, and and I mean there is. Let's well, be. Who's well, the big? Who's the bigger artist? Nicki. Nicki's a. I would say Nicki Minaj is the bigger artist at the end of the day. And he, and the 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 reason why the <laughs> yo, and that's cool. That that's totally fine. You can have we can have separate opinions. That's totally fine. She she's she's more uh she's the better rapper between her and Travis Scott, hands down, but I think Travis Scott is the much bigger artist. At this moment in time, Travis Scott is a bigger artist. <laughs> I mean, it, to each his own, like that, and that. He's, and there's nothing. He's crossing different genres, bro. I'm, hey, I'm just saying. Li- and listen, I'm not. I'm not disputing that. Re- the the thing I'm saying is that when it came out to when they both released their albums, the the, the thing that and this is kind of what helped probably change the rule. One of the factors that changed the rule was that when she dropped her album and when tra- her and Travis dropped that same weekend. The reason for his sales being higher was because he had bundled everything with the selling of tickets to his concert. So because of that bundling package is the reason why he outsold her that week. And that's why she went on like a tirade for like maybe what a couple of weeks of like, yo, how am I? Num- how did I sell number two when I sold the- I sold more? She sold more units, but he sold he sold more. He sold more based off of bundling. So uh, here's the thing about that, right? Whatever. Are people? I put it like this: People enjoyed Crack Astro World more than they enjoyed that album. Nobody was talking about that album like that, unless you were a Nicki Minaj fan. And I'm not even going to say the the album's garbage or nothing. I'm not saying that. But there's people. More people were going crazy for Astro World than that from the public reception. And the only reason why that album was getting 
anything like talked about past its release date was because of what Nicki Minaj was doing on her on her podcast. So I feel like that, you know, yeah, numbers this, number that. And, you know, the industry is a dirty game. We all know that. But at the end of the day, people will remember Astroworld. And unless you're a Nicki Minaj fan, people are not remembering her last album. So I think people are more excited to hear her next album. So I just feel like that that's tiff or tat shit. And I just feel like, and I'm not talking about for Nikki. Nikki has every right to feel that way. But I'm talking about for like the, the listeners and the fans. That's just kind of like tiff or tat shit. And mm-hmm. it, I mean, it. I mean, let's, let's be real. You, you said, you know, you're trying to use something to help boost why she's the bigger artist when clearly Travis Scott is the big the, a bigger mm. phenomenon than Nicki Minaj right now. So I just think I just think like with Travis Scott, you don't have to get into oh well, you know, back in 2018 when he did a no, well, you don't have to well you go you go to a random kid on the street, Nicki Minaj or Travis Scott, the kid is saying Travis Scott. So that's what I'm saying. Like so it's just and we could all three of us could acknowledge Nicki Minaj is the better rapper between the two. She can wrap circles around Travis Scott, but Travis Scott is the bigger artist. He's like, if he goes to a sports, well, let me not say that. I don't want to do that. But, you know, he's like, hey, he's like on the level of Justin Bieber damn near. And I'm not saying he's more popular than Justin, but multiple people know who Travis Scott is. So you, so you, so you would say that fandom-wise, there's more fandom for Travis Scott than there is for Nicki Minaj as a whole. Correct. That's what I'm saying. So I'm not saying that I'm not saying that I'm not saying that Nicki doesn't make any better music because music can be subjective. What I'm saying though, there's a lot more fans for Travis than there is for Nicki across genres. That's what I'm saying. There's people who listen to Travis who don't fuck with rap music. That's I respect. I respect your opinion. Not the moment. Yeah. yeah. I re- I respect your opinion. I respect your opinion for the most part. So, I mean, the barbs are louder and, and like they definitely have more of a pre- presence on social media. Though they'll form up against somebody, unlike the way they would for Travis. You know what I mean? Because the barbs right. are just like that. Right. The the barbs they're like a cult following, kind of like the 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 bay hi- the beehive. They have cult following. So. So shouts out, it's like the Playboy Cardi thing. He has a cult following. People go nuts for for, for his shit. He could fucking come out and say, hey, rap sucks, and people will love him for it. So I just feel like that's just my take on it. Um, is there anything else before we close the show out, guys? Um, yeah, like I mean, I, I respect your take. Uh, don't necessarily agree all the way, but I mean, like we said, it's a difference of opinion. Um, only thing else I would have to say is I, I do want to let people know that Vince Stable came, Vince Staples came out with an album that's self-titled Vince Staples. Um, really dope, uh, pretty dope album. Uh, different sound. Def, I, I prefer this sound over the sound he was going for with like the the album where he had Big Fish on it, uh, which was like more techno. This is more of like um, this reminds me of the the album where uh. I think it has Hell Can Wait. Oh, I okay. The- I like yeah. that Vince Staples. Or like Summertime Vince Staples. Uh, Summertime yeah. 06, I think it was. Yeah, Summertime 06. Like, it's kind of like, to me, it's more, the sound is more of an evolution of that. Like it's, it's not heavy. Like the beats are very, 
I guess you could say in the terms of what Apple's new thing is of space audio, spatial audio. So it's kind of, it's not, it's not heavily like a boom bap or like heavy with beats, but it's very open beats where he's just rapping, rapping, of course, having the jail calls from like his homies that are in jail, as well as having just like talking about like his surroundings and his friends, family, so on and so forth. So to me, I think it's more of the Vince Staples that I think most of us wanted to see him progress into after summertime 06. So I would definitely suggest people to check it out as well as he has, um, I believe he has a, a not a mixtape, but he's actually releasing a comic book uh, that's you can pre-order right now. It's called Vince Staples Limbo Beach, which I believe is actually written by Vince Staples, Brian Edward Hill, who's responsible for Batman, the Outsiders and Titans, as well as Chris Robertson, who's responsible for Children of the Atoms and Buster Moody, who's responsible for writing in Teenage Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So shout outs to Vince Staples on that. I think that's going to be pretty dope, uh, especially coming out with his own comic book series. I think it kind of fits his persona. So definitely tell people to check out his album as well as pre-order his comic book that uh, that you will receive probably around Christmas time. Shouts out to Vince Staples. Um, I'm going to listen to the album. As far as anything else for the listeners go, um, I don't have much to say um, except that they can follow us at the Highly Advised Podcast on YouTube, yes, Highly Advised Podcast on Instagram, uh-huh. and Advised Highly on Twitter. You can follow me at Relax and LG underscore Jackson. I'm going to let Spence announce himself this week. And yes. then I'm going to let Lau announce himself this week. Okay. Uh, you, as Nigel said, with no further introduction, you can follow me, Spence, at St. Kitch, S T dot K I T C H. Uh, Lau, drop your handle real quick. Boom, 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 boom. It's at. the motherfucking main event. <laughs> your boy big cozy too cozy at big cozy too cozy at instagram on instagram whatever the fuck you want to say follow me and follow my homeboys too because all three of us have a special move and it's called Mm. breaking your goddamn neck Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the level of violence, man. <laughs> we got anything uh, else? Um, it looks uh out like like we predicted earlier, this looks the series between the Bucks and the the Suns looks like it might go to game five. Right now it's halftime. Um I believe the halftime score is forty five sixty. Bucks mm. up. Oh Bucks, shit. Yeah, Bucks are up forty five sixty. I've been That's having not that bad, though. It's not that bad, but I mean, like, based of what they, based of what we've seen in the series so far, I, I, it looks like they're off to a, a a more promising second half if they can keep it up. So, five games probably. Max. I thought the Bucks would be losing by halftime tonight. I'm kind of surprised actually. So that's kind of dope. I, I'm not surprised. I mean, the Bucks are the better team defensively. You know, it, it it was just so alarming the first two games where you have Holiday. You know who's supposed to be a defensive stalwart for the team 
fucking up as much as did. Giannis, of course, you know, taking 20, 30 seconds at the free throw line, doing, you know, I don't know what's going on with him with that. And then Chris Middleton, he's not supposed to be the, the number one guy. The number one guy is supposed to be Giannis, but of course everybody's relying on Chris because he 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 shows times of, you know, he could ball out. So once the, the Bucks are connecting together defensively, they're fucking powerhouses. They, they know how to, you know, do their thing. It's just, are they consistent with it? That's the fucking problem. But there's more to say on the next episode of the Highly Advised Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. As, as my co-host said, uh, well, more than likely, more than likely, by the end of this game, he'll probably have uh, Giannis may have a triple double from what it looks like. He's already approaching a double double. But as my co-host said, we will find out more at, when we get into the next episode. Probably by the time you you hear us again, we'll probably be telling you who won. Well, we will be telling you who won, and we'll be preparing for something else that comes next week. Mm. So, I mean, until then, I would suggest that you guys listen to this episode, listen to previous episodes to get yourself caught up. I mean, there's 60, 64 episodes to listen to, plus mm. some additional ones. So, okay. yeah, listen, go back, listen. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, this might be a little off, offhand, but I will also tell everybody, if, when you go listen to the podcast, rank us. And I ain't even gonna hold you. If you give us a five-star ranking... Put a question, put a question or something in, in, in your uh, in your rating. And we'll probably, we might hit you back. We might hit you back if we see a five-star rating. We might hit you back. Or just leave us a rating. Tell us your opinion. If you have constructive criticism that's beyond what we see on our YouTube comments, go for it. And if you're in the YouTube comments watching this right now, leave a comment, like, share, subscribe. Tell your friend, if you hate what we do, Send it to your friends to show them how much you hate it. How much they, how much you hate it. Also, spread spread the hate. In the words of um, Lloyd Banks, I'll finish it off with this: Forget being positive. Negativity sp- spreads faster. So, with that being said, if you have a negative comment, leave it. Share the video with the people that you hate, that you love about something you hate. So, with that being said, you've been highly advised. You guys got anything else or no? I was gonna let I was gonna let that be the end. Oh, okay, cool. You've been highly advised, Sasha. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so we decided to come back at the end of the show because we had an update on Conor McGregor's situation and you know some of the fallout from the fight. You know, earlier today, it is a Monday and we are here and we decided to give you guys a little bit of an update on what's going on. With that being said, so initially, let's start it off with. As anybody knows, Conor McGregor did break his leg. Uh, he broke his tibia. He came out and said after, during the fight with Dustin Poirier in UFC 264, and he had some words for us after his recovery from his surgery. In so many words, he pretty much said the lo- the win was illegitimate. He's got about six weeks until he's fully recovered and he'll start back training. How do so, you guys feel about that? So do you think he actually meant six six weeks and then... I'll be training or six weeks and we'll see what the future holds. Six weeks and I'll learn how to walk. That's yeah, it. He said, he said six weeks on the crutch. So he said six weeks on the crutch. Yeah. When I mean, hold on. What? 
Nah, I mean, he, he he's not gonna be bedridden for six weeks. No, that's okay. Uh, that's fine. He's probably not yeah. bedridden right now, but right. six weeks off. I just broke my leg. You know what I mean? No, six. He says six weeks on the crutch. You with it? So I know that you you gentlemen haven't had surgery, but when you have surgery, they don't keep you mounted to a bed. The first week, hey, you know, you on you on a bunch of drugs. You need to be on bed rest. That second week, hey, you're going to see the orthopedist. You're going to go see the physical therapist right away to get it go. Because if not, all the muscles and shit is going to start is going to start getting weak and all that. They start mm-hmm. they started early, especially when you're. And my my physical therapist was telling me, for athletes, especially at the professional level, sometimes they have them doing it the same week that they get surgery done. So they have them start out like, and, but that's because their bodies, they're so athletically, you know, gifted. They're, they're able to start that early compared to the average person who's not athletic as somebody on a professional level. So his timeline, I don't think it's, it's a far-fetched or ridiculous time far as him getting, when he says six weeks on the crutch, then back to Boa. But I mean, I don't think he's going to be training, after six weeks, no, but him being like physical therapy and learning how to walk again. Yeah, I, that's realistic. Okay, so I guess the question is between like the three of us, when do we all think he's going to be able to fight again? Because we all know that Conor McGregor is going to try to fight at some point in time. So 2022, it would be the earliest. Yeah, I, I got at the earliest I got is like next summer. Yeah, like, I agree. It, yeah, because I mean, if you look at it right, like I to be honest with you, seeing Connor, even when he broke it, right, he was ready. Even when Dustin was like walking out of the cage and talking, he wanted to get up and stand on his feet then. And they were they had to keep telling him, no, you got to sit down. So I think with Connor, he's he's going to be a little too. I feel like he's going to be a little too eager, possibly. And I, I and I hope it. I I pray it doesn't lead to a re injury or him hurting himself again, but. If not, I mean, hey, look at what happened to Anderson Silva after he after he lost to Chris Wyman and he had that freak accident in the first fight. I think it w- it took at least a year. I think two until years. he, you said two years. Yeah, two years. Yeah, and it, essentially it was like it wasn't like he broke his ankle. He broke like his tibia, which I'm not. I'll correct me if I'm wrong because I don't know what part exactly that is, but I know it's above your ankle. Well, here's the thing, right? Like I think that. Connor comes back towards the end of next year only because like, I don't know, it's, it's just going to take him a little bit of time to come back. And because of the type of injury, it's not all, all leg breaks are different. So his leg isn't Anderson Silva's leg, isn't Chris Weidman's leg. Right. But at the same point in time, you know, he did just break his leg. So it's going to take him a little bit of time to get back in the motion of things. So I just see him taking at the least until late next year. Me and myself, I, I say around maybe September, August. I think the biggest takeaway from watching that video, though, was the way he talked as if he was winning the fight already. Because even he said he was like, had it gone to the second round, I would have really showed you what what I had to offer, essentially. I mean, that's Connor. I mean, when when Joe Rogan interviewed him, he was like he he was punching the bleeding head off of him, kicking the bleeding legs off of him. And I, it's just Connor talking. And like, if you as a fan or a casual fan or whatever, even a Connor hater, bought into that, he did his job. 
because now, you know, you got invested into what he's saying. When he was saying that shit, anybody, you know, with a brain between their, their, their fucking eyes, they know like he lost that round. It was, I was going to score a 10, eight, if he survived it, I think two judges scored it at 10, eight. And it, it was clear that Connor lost that round. And yes, we, we don't know how the second round would have happened. Hence Michael Chandler, Charles Oliveira, where Charles Oliveira looked like he was about to get knocked out. And now look at him now, he's the champ. But it was looking like Dustin was going to do more of the same in the second round. So when he when he was saying what he was saying, I'm like, that's just Connor talking. You know, that's that's the machine. I mean, not the machine, but that's the marketing power that he got, you know. So it didn't it didn't really I didn't feel no type of way about it. I'm like, that's just Connor being Connor as usual. The thing is, uh, Ronda Rousey even pointed it out. Like, as soon as he fell on the ground, he was already talking about, like, ways to, you know, buy his way into the next fight with Dustin. Like, I got to give him a little bit of credit because, like, he, for a dude who just broke his leg, his mind seems to be like, all right, what's the next step? You know what I mean? Like, and I know that's, like, very difficult pain. You know what I mean? So, like, it's, it's cool. I thought it was interesting to see. A lot of people have been talking about it over the last um, couple of days. And, you know, you see the news pundits and whatnot. You see the news giving the review on the fight. And Shannon Sharp had a little bit to say. You know, me personally, like, I try not to watch the ESPNs unless it's like actual MMA people or Fox Sports 1. They don't have an MMA show. So it's like I enjoy both of their products to a certain degree but they're they're not for the most part mma analysts like if you want to watch them watch dc watch ariel watch kenny florian watch anybody else than any of those people i think that's the the biggest gripe most mma fans have overall not even just ufc is that and primarily ufc because that's the only sport that they cover out of mma primarily is that you have people that don't that have that are new to the sport telling you what is really happening in the sport like and just playing into it right anytime someone tells me shannon sharp says hey connor's not even a top five fighter even if he beat dustin yeah exactly if he if you beat dustin poirier you still want to be a top five fighter he would have beat the guy that passed on fighting for a belt (laughs) to fight him for a payday I have a couple friends who they don't really watch UFC, but they know who Connor is. They know John Jones. They know the the big name guys, but they don't. They still don't know Francis Ngannou, Kamaru really? Usman. Yes, like that's that's a casual fan. So Jeez. when Shannon Sharp, Stephen A. Skip Bayless, Max Kellerman, even though Max he's a figurehead in boxing, when they all talk about MMA, their audience is the casual fan. The or the fan that doesn't know anything about MMA. That's their audience. So because that audience is going to buy in and be like, oh, you know what? You're right. They're what they're saying to make sense, blah, blah, blah. We know what they're saying is crock of shit or they're just thinking of shit, you know, on the go. Right. Like when Max Kellerman and Teddy Atlas was doing the post deck, the post desk show. And we knew like, (laughs) Hey man, they just, they're trying to think of something to say. They just don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. And Joe Rogan, when they brought it back to him, DC and John Anik, Joe's like, yeah, I completely disagree with everything they said. And he, he tried to give a more technical breakdown of what happened in the fight. Now, I think like 
Shannon Sharp, what he was saying, I'm not mad at the stuff he was saying because once again, I'm looking at him like, okay, he doesn't really know the game of MMA. He barely knows anybody outside of the top stars in the game. And if he and if he has to reference somebody, you know, that's not Conor McGregor, Habib, or whomever. He's looking down at a, a script, you know, that'll say the person's name and the record, et cetera, et cetera. So I just, I, I'm, I wasn't mad at what he's saying. Yeah, there were some stupid things that he did say in that thing. Like, for example, oh, if he beat Dustin, he wouldn't even be top five. You know, us MMA fans know that's ridiculous. But to the casual fan, they don't know who Dustin is. They think Dustin is some run-of-the-mill fighter. And, and if Connor can't beat Dustin, Connor, he's really washed up. And the only reason why they're hanging on to Habib, it's not because of what Habib can really do. It's because the fact that Habib is undefeated. That's what kind of they cater to, like when boxing. Hey, this undefeated fighter, that undefeated fighter, they don't really cater to who's actually good and who's not good. You know, not saying that undefeated fighters are, are bad fighters, because obviously they're not. They're undefeated for a reason. But there's good, there's really good fighters who have what, maybe one or two losses on the record. So I just think that this will not change. It's good and bad. It's good because it helps bring MMA to mainstream sports media when you have the mainstream sports figureheads talking about it. But it's bad because it's also giving false knowledge and false narrative to to the fans where if they want to be interested in a sport, they're going to start running with narratives with people who don't cover the sport at all. They only cover it when Connor is fighting. So, and I just feel like that. So I'm, I'm not, I'm, I agree, but also disagree with uncle Shannon Sharp's take. At the end of the day, if you're not knowledgeable about something and you're speaking on it and you're speaking to an audience that believes whatever you say, because they believe, you know, more than them because they're a casual fan is dangerous. Cause then it gets to a point where you have a real conversation with someone that actually knows the sport or whatever, even if it's at a lighter level than the someone that's like fully immersed and ingrained in it, you're not going to, you're, you're just going to sound like, Hey, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He needs to get out the room. And that's the, that's the biggest problem. I think to me, my thing is the, the people I would respect hearing from are your arrows, your chills, DC's Joe, Joe Rogan, um, Dan Hardy, someone like that. But when it's like, even like Stephen A. Smith one time, like it, I mean, he was, I would say he was probably at the the crux of it initially when they were trying to put him into the sport, but everybody was like, this dude knows nothing of what he's talking about. You know, I don't really like watching Stephen A. Smith talk about MMA. I'm not going to lie. Only because sometimes I can tell he puts on and it's just like, all right, like enough's enough, Stephen A. Like Stephen A's on Stephen A and that's cool. But like, when it comes to MMA, I'd rather, I'd much rather just hear somebody get to it without all the theatrics. Uh, Shannon Sharp, I can tell he watches MMA. And he knew about, he was talking about Kamaru Usman when a lot of people weren't talking about Kamaru Usman. And I give him credit for, at the least, being a fan of the sport and trying to talk on it. But I'm not, when I hear him talk, it's just like, all right, like, I can tell you're not into it, like, like really into it. He's he's the he's the same amount of fan that Stephen A is Possibly a fan. Casual. Yeah, casual fan. F- casual fan. Like you, if you're a real fan of the sport, you're not. You're never going to utter, "Hey, if you beat Dustin Poirier, you still not be top five. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, the thing that stuck out to me was the whole thing with um, 
when he brought up Ronda Rousey and saying like, oh, people that changed the game were like Amanda Nunes, um, Holly, Holly Holm. And I'm like, Amanda Nunes, right? Holly Holm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, so Amanda Nunes, I 100% agree. Holly Holm did do something very amazing. She did, but that's like the highlight of her career in the sport, I would say. Exactly. Like what she did, like it changed the sport. It changed it, the sport. But it, she was the conduit to changing the sport. It was like she had, she beat Ronda. She was the perfect person to beat Ronda. Yes. Then she lost the belt right after that. And then it was like, she don't get me wrong, Holly Holm, Holly respect her as a fighter, amazing boxer, so on and so forth. She has a she has a she she has a pedigree and she has a record that speaks for itself. So she deserves to be where she is. She deserved to be the champion. But like when we're I, to me, my thing is this. She's not we, Amanda Nunes and she's yeah, not who Ronda Rousey was. Exactly. When you're, Rousey. when you're putting those, when you're speaking of the Conor McGregor's, the John Joneses, the Amanda Nunes's, the Ronda Rousey's. Holly Holmes not the first person that comes to mind. She comes to mind because she beat Ronda Rousey. She did the she did the impossible. Yes, I will give her that. We definitely have to give her that. But other than that, like, yeah. I I think I don't want to sidetrack a little bit, but I want to keep it since we're on the topic. This whole thing about like the Conor McGregor thing, because you know they're going to be talking about this shit, is that uh, it it really reminds me of of. Connor really reminds me of like Mike Tyson, right? Remember when Mike Tyson got beat up by Vander Holyfield twice? He you knows back. Yeah. And 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 Evander is Dustin Poirier. That's all this reminds me of. Connor's still gonna get love. Motherfucker's still gonna tune into him. Skip Bayless said he was gonna watch it, but he knows that his best days are behind him, this and a third. And I feel like Scott. Everybody may be right. Connor's best days may be behind. Maybe he cannot beat Dustin. The, Dustin. Maybe he cannot ever beat Charles Oliveira or Justin Gaethje, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't mean that the guy can't beat anybody in the top 10. It doesn't mean that. I mean, yes, he has to prove himself, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. And the thing about the the sport of mixed martial arts, you have a lot of fickle fans and you have a lot of uh, well, fair weather fans, right? As soon as somebody loses, you start to see people jump off the bandwagon. And, and just like the young lady, Valerie Loretta, there was a lot of hype behind her. She lost her first fight and people are, are oh, this and a third, she sucks, da, da, da not ignoring the fact that was like her fourth professional fight and she's only like 23 years old. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I, I, I think that Connor will be back. I seriously hope. And of course we were nobody in the, in the SBG Ireland camp, but I seriously hope that he fucking, he takes some fights where he can, you know, win just to get that under his belt. So, and get his time back in the octagon, man, because if he's going straight for Dustin again or going for whoever's the champion again at 155 or hell, even a top contender at 170, he's going to get smoked. I mean, he, he's going to get smoked. And I, I agree there because not just, not just because of the competition level, but to be out from an injury for so long. Right. Like exactly. And, when he fought Dustin, when he fought Dustin the second time, he even said, oh, this was like a tune-up fight and I realized I got ring rust. So to take a big break and to have, 
to quote unquote have ring rust, though Dominic Cruz would say it doesn't exist. It's okay, you had ring rust, you got yourself, you took a break, had ring rust, had a rematch, lost, got had an injury that's probably gonna set you back at least in a year, possibly, before you can step into the octagon. At the least. At the very least. So I think um, in the words of what Dominic Cruz said, I think he has to he has to own the loss, which I think is going to be the hardest part for Connor, especially when he's saying like, "Oh, it's your your win is illegitimate." He won at the end of the day, no matter if it's through a stoppage or whatever. On his on the books, it is going to say, "Hey, he fought Conor McGregor three times and he beat him twice. One was due to a stoppage of an injury." So, hey man, the next fight for Connor is Nate. Nate, be, Nate Connor three. That's it. Nah, I, I think I, that's too early. I don't even think I, he should fight Nate first. I mean, uh, yeah, he, he and that, call the Korean zombie, bro. I I just the Korean I, zombie. No, the green head zombie. My bad. Nah, he doesn't have to fight there. He's like, well, there are two different weight I'm, classes. I'm just so. talking. I'm just uh, saying. I'm just talking. Well, but I I just feel like that. Uh, you know, I, I just don't want to see the Nate fight. I really don't. I feel like that that piece of history is already over that's maybe when if connor whenever connor finally decides to retire you could re- revisit it but what i'm saying is like we got to give credit to dustin poirier too man this is he's definitely number one the number one lightweight in the world and he has been ever since habib fucking left and uh shout out to charles Oliveira because he is the champ but Dustin is the guy to beat right now. And I just feel like that he Dustin Poirier deserves all the credit in the world. He showed up, did his job. It's not his fault that Connor broke his fucking shit. And Dustin was doing his job before the end of the round anyway by putting it down on Connor. And I think it's hilarious that Connor in one video, I don't know if he got seen it yet, but he was like, oh, besides my ear, I don't see any blood, you know, any scratches, any blood and all that. And he's right. But I was just kind of like, yo, you were getting hit. <laughs> like it. Elbowed. Yeah. Whether, whether you swelled up or you got scar- cut up and scarred does not change the fact you were still getting hit a lot. Exactly. Yeah. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, no, nah, I was just going to say exactly. Like, I mean, I think, at the end of the day, he has to accept it for what it is. Like you lost, you lost, you may have had what whatever you want to have the excuse be of how you could have how Dustin didn't do enough. It was because of a freak injury. The end of the day is you lost the fight. And that's just it. Like I think as soon as Connor can get past that part, which I think is gonna be a hard one for him, because I think I will say this. Um, I do think Dustin has his number. And I think we've said it before. I think no matter how you cut the pie, he the same result is going to end up happening again. So, I mean, I think for Connor, he just got to accept. He has to accept the loss and take the time to build himself back up from the injury as well as his skill set in MMA. But I mean, only until we see, only until then we'll find out. Only until when he comes back, we'll find out. Listeners, we are putting this out. And it's going to be on the end of the episode as well. Check out episode 64 Come on, of man. the Highly Advised Podcast. Um, you can follow us at Highly Advised Podcast on YouTube, Highly Advised Podcast on Instagram, and Advise Highly on Twitter. We will be back here on Thursday. You have been highly advised. You've been highly advised. Shashaw.